We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I had this crazy thing that I would do um, where I would party one week before every fight. And I did it throughout my whole career. One week before every fight, I would go out and I would get blacked out wasted. And my logic was, if this guy were to beat me somehow, um, I, I can look myself in the mirror and say that, well, I lost because I got hammered the week before the fight. So I took, a, I took an off-brand Cialis pill. So Why does a guy like you need Cialis? I have a huge cock, Joe. <laughs> it's too big? It's too big. <laughs> Come on, son. Come on. We're here. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen... You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Kel Dansby. You know, Andreas is in the building as well. 
Busy week. Last week, as soon as we stopped recording, we had craziness ensue. We had John Jones come out and say some of the wildest comments you'll hear. There was boxing last weekend. There was WWE, TLC, pay-per-view, and it wasn't even the best pay-per-view of the weekend. So tons of stuff to get to today. But first, the Grammy nominations come came out. Andreas is knee-deep in all the Grammys talk like he is every year. You are the authority on this. So how do you feel about the Grammy nominations? Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> so I'm not one of those. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, Grammy nominations, as I've learned over the years, it's just not something that I'm super excited about or get caught up in. Um, you know, a lot of people that, got, you know, I would like to see uh, Chance get nominated for album of the year. But, you know, over Drake, I, I don't think Drake should have been album of the year. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It is. It is what it is. We'll see what happens uh, come Grammys uh, in February. But um, nothing out here just jumped out at me and was like, oh, man, this is egregious. That this person's not nominated. This person is nominated. You weren't one of the people up in arms about the whole Solange not getting nominated and going on there and seeing just people coming out of woodwork for R&B nominations? Yeah. That, see, that's that's one of those things where... I mean, Solange's album, in my opinion, um, may have been the best R&B album this year uh, in terms of impact, in terms of just quality of music. Solange really had a great album. That that should have been nominated. I know there was something with it the, the day it was released and the deadline it was supposed to be submitted. It was some nonsense. Um, oh, technicalities. Yeah, the technicalities. Like, you know, it, it didn't get nominated for Best Urban Contemporary Album. It didn't get nominated for Best R&B Album. Um and that's a little frustrating because, like, Best Urban Contemporary Album, which is, I think, is, is a pretty strong category with Beyonce, with King, Anderson Pac, Rihanna, and Gallant, all are pretty deserving. Um, but I think Solange's album could have uh, snuck in there as well. Rihanna actually had a really good album. As, as much as I've never really been a fan of Rihanna, I'm not surprised at how well they, they performed it for the Grammy nominations. She had a strong album. A lot of people love that album. Um, I thought it was cool. It has more real music than, I guess, like club bangers and poppy singles, which is not usually her wave. Um, so it's great and it's good to see that getting nominated. And it's a really big year for just real music. You've seen Chance, you've seen Anderson, you're seeing all these people who just put out quality projects. Schoolboy Q gets nominated. Yep. Second the, time he's been nominated. The music is really just taking over and. You know, outside of the Drake and, you know, still got to throw those people a bone. There's no Iggy Azaleas. There's no, you know, just egregious nominations and damn near winners this year. Yeah, no. I mean, even if you look at Best Rap Album, De La Soul got nominated, which I'm happy for. Kanye West got nominated, which I'm not happy about. But people like that album, I suppose. So whatever. That was a good album. I mean, half of it's like a Chance album. So what? Yeah, Life of Pablo's trash. And, and I will argue anybody that like that is a trash album. It's just what? it's not good. Who was listening to this album today? Uh, nah, I I mean, I listened to it yesterday when everything <laughs> dropped to be like, yo, was this album actually good? It was pretty good. But nah. to think like Ultra Light Beam and Waves could have been on Chance's album really breaks my soul because they would have just took it over the top. Yeah, I mean, Chance just really had – Chance should win Best Rap Album. I mean, you look at the competition, he'll probably end up losing either Drake or Kanye, but – that would be unfortunate because Chance really did have the best album in terms of impact, in terms of quality of music. There are some people that don't like Chance's album. Um, they're crazy to me. Really? Like, yeah, I haven't found this people. person yet. 
Yeah, I have. I have. I'm not going to call these people out. But uh, <laughs> there are people that just didn't think that Chance had a really great album. And I, I'm just really surprised by that. I thought, uh, you know, in terms of, of music, he, I mean, this this kid, he's a kid, which we got to, I mean, you know, when I say kid, I mean, he just turned legal drinking age recently. To make an album that's this powerful, um, it's it's really uh, it's really impressive. So I hope he I hope he walks away with some awards. Um, some people wanted to see Frank Ocean on there. I've made the argument. I'm like, when you go back and reflect and look at Frank Ocean's album, was it really that good? I don't think so. It was good, but it wasn't great. <laughs> no, nah, was cool. this is two albums in a row for me personally, where I'm just like, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I like I like Channel Orange. I thought Channel Orange was great. This album, I thought was I think it's good. It's not a classic. So, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's, that's, no. that's kind of just how I feel about Grammys overall. Even though I work for them, and people are like, well, you work for them. How can you say stuff like that about them? I just it doesn't mean that much to me um, in terms of who gets nominated. I, like I'm more curious about who's going to win. Like when Taylor Swift beat Kendrick Lamar, I was just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> like it's just not it's not our awards. It's their awards, and if they're going to throw us a bone, then congratulations. You don't seem like an awards type of guy in general. I'm not. I, I, like, I think award shows, first of all, I hate award shows. Um, I've, I've attended too many of them. I've done red carpets. I've, you know, I was the blogger for the Grammys. I was, you know, I sat in the mosh pit at the Grammys. I've done, I've done every award show. And the, the award show aesthetic is just, it's boring to me. Um, some of the performances are cool, but for the most part, they're just extremely long shows. And then uh, the awards, it's just, you know, like, you know, working at BET and seeing, like, the BET Awards. And then before I worked at BET, I was on the nomination committee. So I got to see some of these things. And it's like I would nominate, like, Jay Dilla and, like, Little Brother, and they never made it. So it was like at a certain point, it wasn't indicative of what was good. It was just indicative of what was there and what people were consuming and what people were being forced fed. So yeah, good luck with I, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I could care less about who wins an award. I, I like to see some artists that deserve it win these awards. But to me, at a certain point in your life, you're just like, if they don't win, I mean, what does it really mean? It's just it's just a trophy at the end of the day. When was the last time you won an award? What was your last trophy? There has to know. be something in, in the Andreas Hell Cave. I mean, I've won, like, writing awards. I've won, like, uh, when with Hip Hop DX, we won, we won a couple awards for Best Website. Um... I don't know what else. I've, I've won stuff. But you ever I, had to give a speech? Like an acceptance speech? No, nah, I've, I've never had to give an acceptance speech. Hey, who the hell do you think I am? I'm not that special. Listen, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you, you've done shit in your life. You've been on this earth for a while. I didn't necessarily limit your time space. It could have been in high school. It could have been something. I, you don't got to be up on stage at like the Grammys or anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. That's I, the I mean, most awkward stuff. moment. Like giving an acceptance speech is the weirdest thing ever. So I, yeah. I always, like, watch to see what people are going to say because there's really no good words. Like, to win an award and you're just standing up there and it's just like, all right, I work for this. Thanks. I'm out. Like, everything yeah. else is just fluff. It's it's an awkward moment. Very much so. Um, talking about some someone else that made things awkward, uh, J. Cole released a diss track. Somewhat of a diss track. I mean, I mean he named names, but I, I don't think it was really necessarily dissing anything, just rhyming about the current landscape of hip-hop um to me it's not like a pointed diss track it's just yo this is what's happening around me i'm rhyming about it but people uh, once again it's j cole people are split there's still the people who always say oh j cole music let me go grab a blanket 
because it's going to put me asleep, which I don't understand. And then there's the people who loved it, and it was like, oh, it's like the next Control type song, and I can't wait for J. Cole's album, which should be dropping um, this week, I believe. So where do you stand on J. Cole debate? I would think I'm you're enlightened. J. Yeah, I'm a big J. Cole fan. Um, I, and, and it's funny because... Like when I worked when I worked at BET, I met J Cole before the warm up, but the first time I met him, um, he had an album release party. He had just signed on Rock Nation, and nobody knew who he was. And it was like me, my man Low, and maybe about seventy other people there. So that was the first time I met him, and I loved the warm up. I love King Simba. I love uh, I get up. I, I just loved what he what he brought. But then his first album, the sideline story, I didn't like it. I thought it felt like it was a forced effort that was. It felt like he was trying to reach for mainstream appeal, not by his own accord, but I just felt like whoever was A&R in that album, and he was trying to do a lot by producing himself and things of that nature, that I felt like he was getting lost in the shuffle while while people, his peers were, you know, like Drake, were, were doing big things, and he made a kind of an average album. But then Born Sinner came out, which was produced by entirely by him, and I loved it. I thought Born Sinner was great. It's pretty good. And, it had some misses, I, but not bad. Yeah, but I mean— I mean, the Friday Night Lights mixtape, it's just, J. Cole is the type of MC that speaks to, I guess, people like me. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and when I say people like me, it's just, I, like, the things that Young Thug and GZ and Rick Ross talk about, they don't really relate to me. Like, You don't got it, lean it, in your cup? There's no lean nah. around you for this podcast? How dare but, you in 2017? <laughs> But the things that do appeal to me are, are real life situations, and not to say that those people don't go through their own situations. But you know, being a young African American going to college and dealing with the nuances of life, and being a positive role model, and striving to be good, but still having your bad side too. You know, still loving women, and you know, still trying to, you know, still doing dirt occasionally, but trying to run the straight and narrow. And I've always felt like J. Cole does that very well, and. Uh, you know, uh, his last album uh, was great, and I think this album is going to be really good as well. And I, I've never understood people that don't like J. Cole and say that he's boring. Well, this is the, the life that most of you live to a certain <laughs> extent, and especially a lot of you educated people and, and journalists who say that J. Cole is boring. This, this is it's parallels what you live, but it, but it's the one they know, live, but not the one they want to live. That, yeah, that's the difference. Not. It's not cool you, to be on Twitter and talk about your day to day actual life. You, you, yeah. You tell stories about grandiose moments, and then you tear other people down for living a normal life. That's the basis of Twitter. Um, but a lot of the biggest Twitter people work nine to fives or work in call centers where they could be on their damn phone all day. But that's not cool. Or, or you no. know, going to college or you know trying to raise a family. But like you said, J. Cole does that very well. Um, to me, J. Cole was in the same bracket of Big Sean and some some other people like artists from that era um that i really liked but i was just like their mixtapes are so much better than their albums right until that last album that last album just it was short notice came out i was like this is how an album from someone this talented should sound and man it just blew my mind because it took him from that notch of okay his mixtapes aren't going to be the only thing I have to listen to. And it's so hard to defend artists like that. So people be like, J. Cole's put me asleep. I'm like, have you listened to his mixtape stuff? No, 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 but his albums. And what am I supposed to say? Like, go to Dat Piff and not your iTunes app? <laughs> so I'm just like, yo, people don't want to search for good music. It's also up to the artist to put out good music. I say the same thing about Big Sean. People are like, I'm not a Big Sean fan. 
be like, damn, I, I really want to point to one of his albums. But if I want to make someone a Big Sean fan, I kind of going to point to Detroit. Right. It was his best project, and it was a mixtape for free. So it's just like I, I don't know what to tell people. And now it's, it's nice to see J. Cole finally getting his albums to where they're supposed to be appreciated. Oh, Wale was like that as well for me for a long time. Um, Damn, yeah. still is where his mixtapes were so much better than his albums. Yeah, Wale, Wale is a very curious case. Like, there, I, I've never really understood the hate towards Wale. I, I, and I get it because in, in some senses, you know, he's very passionate, which makes him an asshole in some cases. <laughs> but, but like, his mixtapes were, like, mixtape about nothing. Like, Incredible. Those, these were, like, these were great. And then he, his albums would come out. And I liked Attention Deficit. I guess I was one of the few people that liked Attention Deficit. And then when he went to Maybach Music, I was a little confused because I, I didn't feel like he fit that aesthetic. Um, and the ambition album I thought was solid, but I didn't feel like it was him. It gave him hits. Um, That's what Maybach did. music did, give him hits that weren't necessarily on those mixtapes, but everything else kind of took a step back. Yeah, I mean, and so Wale, like J. Cole, Wale, Big Sean, like these are all these are all the MCs that came out, which would we could coin the blog era. They were all kind of surfaced through the blogs. Correct. And um, it was interesting to see a lot of their career trajectories and how they went and, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Big Sean fan, but I do appreciate Big Sean. I, I like this finally, fa- finally famous mixtapes. I love Detroit. I thought Detroit was excellent. His albums have been good, but not great, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, J. Cole's the only one t- for me to break out of that mold so far. Um, I, I can't put Kendrick in that mold because Kendrick never released, like, mixtapes. All his stuff no. was just long, you know, long breaks between projects and albums, well, yeah, which made his albums kind of really overly good. dedicated. Overly dedicated was kind of a mixtape, but... Uh, you know, but aside from that, it's you know back on the, the subject of J. Cole. It's just I'm, I'm looking forward to his album. I'm always looking forward to his music. Um, I like what he does for the community. I liked how involved he was um, with uh, with all, everything that's been going on. The death of Mike Brown. I, I like that. You know, he pops up here and there, and then he disappears. And that's what I've always loved about J. Cole. He doesn't need to be in the mix all the time. He makes his presence felt when he needs to, and then he disappears again. And uh, congratulations to him because I know he, he just had a baby girl. I believe this morning or was it last night? So he just became a father as well. Um, so it's like, you know, I like people like that. I like people who don't beg for attention, who just kind of drop an album. And if you like it, you buy it. If you don't, whatever. He doesn't spend a ton of time marketing his album or, you know, in the tabloids, he does what he does and he disappears. So I like that. And the whole Kanye thing, people are like, it's a diss. He's just pointing out some shit that most of us journalists have pointed out. Most of us have had conversations about with Kanye. Whether we, and he just put it in musical form. And if you're offended by that, I mean, then you yeah, just then. must be really hugging Kanye's nuts and don't think there's <laughs> anything wrong with the dude. So it is what it is. But I, I like false prophets. I like him calling a spade a spade. I, I enjoy that. I need think more rappers need to be honest with their peers, even if they are homies. Because even when while they make Groundhog Day, people thought it was a distant J. Cole, but they were at the basketball game the next day. Yeah. This is how music is supposed to be. It shouldn't be so personal. People and, and then your fans shouldn't get so mad because somebody did somebody else. It's just music. And and and, and, and I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous how people like called it a diss track without understanding what a diss track entails. Yeah, there's not a diss track in my opinion. Like he just called out the culture. Um, shout out to Wale for being part of the culture and responding. And to me, it was the same thing with Control. It was like okay, but that's not a diss track. But it, it did what it was in. It was made to do, which was to get people to rhyme again, and to get people to care and actually be artists and and put work into their craft and this is the same thing it's like j cole's calling him out like yo let's be real like he's went off the deep end 
He's like, this is someone I looked up to, someone that, you know, I still want to see do well. Like, he's going batshit crazy. We could kind of put him on the right track here. We we have to hold him accountable. Yeah, um, and then Kanye's obviously, he's back in the studio already, so whatever. Yeah. Working on Topography 16, we'll, we'll see. Um, Listen, that's your boy. Next year, you're going to be writing his thing for Grammys. You're going to be writing the, the Kanye joint again. <laughs> No, you already did it once. Yeah. It's it's gonna be it's right down the pipeline again, and you're yeah, gonna have to catalog this whole album. Oral yeah. history of this album, when you do it, will be great. I promise you that, because you'll catalog him going to the hospital. You got to interview nurses and shit. It's gonna be oh, good. God. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Waiting on that. 2017, Andreas. Um, <laughs> the other joint that I saw you tweet about is Childish Gambino, uh, another person that's come through uh, a little later than the blog era, but I, I group him in with those guys. Just because he's around the same age, um, just took a different path to things, you know, started off writing and script writing and 30 Rock and um, TV shows like Community, Stand Up and everything else. A real renaissance man, but still hip hop through and through. This album is not a hip hop album. No, it's a psychedelic funk album. This is a a parliament slide. Like this is a this is a funk album that completely caught people off guard. And people were pissed. There's some people that were like, I don't like this. And I was like, well, shit, I guess you don't like music. But if you don't like funk, I can't expect you to like it. First day I heard it, I was like, oh, yep, not for me. Because I wasn't expecting that. Like, I like to hear Gambino rhyme because he's amazing at rhyming. Like, he's a really good rapper. Um, One of my favorites right now. So it's just like, oh, he's not rapping? I was like, I see the direction of this album. Like, no, I'm good. And I'm one of the people, you know, that at first didn't like the Love Below either. I don't care. Like, yo, hold on. 3K has a solo project? Like, uh, no, it's not, not what I came for. And then you back out. And then like a couple days later, I went back and listened to it. And I was like, oh, but the music, oh, this is dope. I was like, I got to be in the right mood for it. Now, you know, I cleared my mind coming in with no expectations. Good album. And it was the same thing. Like, okay, like, okay, I can get with this side of Gambino. It just, I still don't know how to qualify it though. You say it's funk. I don't know if it's like before it's time and progressive or if it's a throwback Album, I, I can't call it. It's something I mean, so different. I don't know how to qualify it. I mean, obviously, this makes him closer to Andre 3000 than Drake um, in terms of music and talent. But uh, this was, uh, to me, this is paying homage to an era. And it's 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 almost like the um, pure funk version of Kendrick's album. Because they both have the same kind of aesthetic, if you listen really closely. Correct. like It's a Wesley's theme. So it's like, this, at, like... Chalice Gambino's album takes it a little step further on the psychedelic edge. Um, he's, he's a little more George Clinton than, than it is about emceeing, because he doesn't rap at all on this album. Um, so and for that, like, people that know me know that, like, I don't listen to rap all day. Like, people, like, as much as I've been in hip-hop, like, I can't listen to this shit all day. Like, I listen to a lot of different shit and a lot of experimental music. I like electronica. I like, there's a lot down-tempo. There's a lot of shit that I like that I listen to throughout my day. Like, my playlist is not, I can't listen to people rapping me for 24 hours. And that's partially because I'm jaded and been in this business too long. <laughs> but it's partially because I just, I need something different. I like, ta- I like music. I like cats that just make really good music. So when I heard this album, I was like, yo, I mean, the greatest thing about artists like Prince, and I'm not comparing Charles Gambino to Prince, is that their voice wasn't necessarily the strongest tool, but they learned how to use everything around it, the ambiance of music to create dope songs. And Charles Gambino is not a strong vocalist, but he's worked on it. 
And what he's done through that is is he made a dope album that has great musical elements to it. He's not gonna blow. He's not Jennifer Hudson, you know. what I'm saying with his voice, he's not. He's not a. He's not boys to men, but he he can carry a note for as long as he needs to. But he makes it work. And this album is just him paying homage to an era, and nobody else is really doing that right now. Um, you know, people compare it to Bruno Mars' album because Bruno Mars' uh, album is really. A, like a love note to 80s and early 90s R&B. Um, similar, but but Charles Gambino, he's not a singer to begin with. So for him to make this kind of an album was to step out there. And then the content album, if you really listen to it, it really is speaking to the, you know, the content of our world today and how society is. So I commend him for it, man. It was a risk. It was a big risk to do an album like this. And uh, hopefully he gets recognized for it at award shows, but he probably won't because that's how shit works. But <laughs> I enjoyed it. No, that was his whole 2016 was risk. I mean, Atlanta pays off. The the guy leaves community and it's just like, nah, I'm gonna create my own show. And he's like, yeah, yeah you know, FX is gonna let me do it. I take my time and make it. And Atlanta blows up. Um, you, we see this musically as well. He just kind of has that, I, I guess, a writer's mind where you just you're so scatterbrained and you just wake up one day and you just you're like, you know what? I feel like doing this. I'm gonna do it. And then you just don't even look back. Like it, it's a very and this album specifically is really kind of his screenwriter brain turning on. Because it's like when someone does nothing but comedies and then they throw in a Western or a horror movie and they immerse themselves in a genre, like a director or a producer. Um, it's that. Like when he immersed himself in that funk sound, he was like, no, I'm just making an entire funk album. And then he would just go back to doing whatever he did before or whatever he feels like doing next. Um, it, it's so different. Like you said, it's more Andre 3000 than, you know, Lil Wayne trying to be a rock star. Right. It, it's There's actually, an appreciation for music there. Exactly. It's immersing yourself in that culture to make quality, not just throwing it out there with, with you know, just yourself with a little hint of something. Um, so, yeah, big ups to him. I, I like that album. We'll see where it lands the Corner Podcast Awards will be coming up in a couple of weeks. Had to push it back because so many, so many new albums are coming out early December. So I was like, all right, why the hell are we going to do it now? Like, might as well move it back a couple of weeks so we can see if J. Cole cracks the lineup. We can see if Gambino is in there um, for album of the year. You never know what drops. Uh, I think Absol is dropping a project. We have yeah, a lot of right stuff. It. Yeah, a lot of stuff to still judge in 2016. So that had to be moved back. Um one thing that should be judged, switching over, getting to the topics we usually talk about on this show, is John Jones and MMA. <laughs> and John Jones has no fucks left to give. Zero. Like, he's not even faking it anymore. I, I don't know where his PR people were. I'm not sure if the UFC even has someone tailing him while he's suspended. He says he hasn't spoken to him since a week after UFC 200. They need to kind of keep an eye on this guy because he just went on Joe Rogan podcast and let that shit all out there like cats out of the bag. Um, and, and to me, the scary part is he admitted so much. What is he still hiding? Because we all know John Jones is still lying about something. He's not going to be 100 percent honest. This is the stuff he felt comfortable revealing. So it, it's scary to think about all the stuff that he's still not saying. Um just real quick, once again, on Joe Rogan podcast, some of the highlights of the show, 
was him explaining the dick pills and how he took them. Um, <laughs> allegedly because he's so large that he needs them. Uh, he admitted to getting blacked out drunk before fights, a week before a fight. Like, fuck it. We're going to tear the town down. And then he also talks about, you know, the hit and run incident with the pregnant woman talks about his suspension with the UFC. Um, just uh, the many aspects of John Jones. What stood out in that interview for you? Cause I know you've watched it several times and had to dig through it for content. Now I watched it once. That shit was two hours. I wasn't watching that thing more than once. Um, I've seen those John... clips like eight times. <laughs> Shout out to whoever broke them down. The, uh, the interview was, it was interesting because I, I felt like this was a John Jones we've been needing to have for the longest period of time. Even if he's still a douchebag liar, whatever the hell he is, <laughs> this is the John Jones that we needed to have. And being honest, just as forthcoming as he wants to be about, because still, we still don't know why he needed the dick pills. He has a fiance and was it? He has four daughters now. Yeah. There um, was no follow up question to that. Yo, nobody asked. Nobody asked about his infidelity. <laughs> like, it's just kind of like taboo. It's implied, right? Like, yo, you took a dick pill pill two weeks before the fight with some friends, quote unquote, during the times when you usually party, because he used that phrase all the time. I party. Um, like he's at the fucking bunny ranch or something. So, like, what was the dick pill for? Like, is your wife not doing it for you anymore? You and your wife wanted to have just a wild night. Was your wife even involved? What does she think about these dick pills? <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure where this is going. Because I, I feel like you're implying that you're just smashing randos whenever you're out of town. Yeah, I don't, I mean, man, John is, he's a mess. <laughs> he's hes like, a, he's a mess, but it's still fascinating that all the stuff that he did, he still was the best fighter in the world. Like that's that's insane to me, and it makes you wonder because when he the funniest thing he says is like the the whether you believe him or not the first time that he wasn't blackout drunk before a fight was against Ovince St. Prue and it was his worst performance to date. You wonder if certain people can just function they, like that's how they need to function, and it's like a mental thing. Cocaine will help a drunk because I, I don't believe it's just liquor, by the way. Oh, of course not. But it's just you wonder when when guys are that good. And using these kind of substances, you know, drinking and being blackout drunk, like they're basically, they're essentially destroying their body um, before a fight. But mentally, it creates a block. He said it. He was like, it was like a built-in crutch. So if I lost, I could just blame it on being blackout drunk and drinking too much. But he won Every against time. everybody. <laughs> Every <laughs> so like, time. So it's like you look at John Jones and. Like, I, when I wrote a piece in Share Dog a few weeks back asking if John Jones is the biggest waste of talent in sports, people were like, but he's undefeated. I was like, you're missing my point. John Jones is so good that his self-destructive behavior has prevented him from being a mainstream success. The fact that he had to watch Conor McGregor break records on numerous occasions, like, it's not him. Like He's a lot should, better than McGregor, too. And that's no, that's, that's no knock to Conor. Yeah, like, that should be him. He should be headlining as the greatest fighter of all time. Like, he should be raking in pay-per-view numbers. His, his self-destructive behavior actually makes him more appealing. He's more Kanye than Drake. You know what I'm saying? And that makes him more appealing to audiences. So it's like when he's doing these things and, like, 
rather than, you know, blowing it, like the self-destructive behavior that gets you tossed off of cars and suspended, that's stupid. But just being who you are, which is just a train wreck of a human being in interviews, instead of acting like you're God's gift to earth with this Christianity bullshit, that's what made that's what would make people gravitate towards John Jones because then they can relate to him. And that he's not relatable. He hasn't been relatable. But that's the most frustrating thing out of this entire like everything he said, the dick pills, the <laughs> drinking, the great like everything that he talked about, the party and the training. He says I'm the like, dick pills are a fun time, by the way. It's a, it's yeah. a fun time. It's it's all that to say is like you're still like the best fighter on the planet. All you gotta do is be honest with yourself and be honest to others. Like if you just be a dick. Like if that's who you are, just be a dick. And say, man, man, you know, maybe I'll change it. Or I like to drink. Like, it's not like Cowboy Cerrone has ever said, I don't like to drink. Cowboy's drinking after every fight. He's not hiding it. Yeah. Why Why has John been hiding this behavior? I mean, the cocaine you got to hide. The drinking hookers, isn't illegal. <laughs> yeah. The hookers you should probably hide, too. But eh, it's Vegas. Else? It's Vegas. You know, escorts are everywhere. You could probably get away with that shit. Um, just claim to have an open marriage. Fuck it. Your wife's not leaving you anyway. What are you going to say? Really? Like, to be like, no, we got an open marriage. Like, we're cool. Right. So. Like, no one but, talks to her. So she can't, like, deny it. Is she going to go yeah. Twitter blasting you or something? Like, no, I got an open marriage. That's fine. I drink. Go get a couple liquor endorsements. Crown Royal will come out the woodwork for that shit. Uh, look at Budweiser with Cowboy Cerrone. Like you mentioned. He can go get a Ciroc. He can get something. You you make money off of this shit. Um, Dick Pills, Cialis, I'm sure it's just waiting. Waiting for the call yeah. for John. Yeah. Uh, really, the cocaine is the only bad part. Yeah, just stay away from, like, don't do that one. And he's like, not don't. doing the weed. Maybe the weed leads to coke. Because I don't understand the whole, they had a discussion on his real problem being weed and him being a pothead since he was in high school. And um, him not being able to necessarily function when high. But admitted that he had just spent many times just high all day. Man, no, no. Like the whole thing is, don't nobody listen to John Jones. Like <laughs> even his best friends probably. Like man, don't nobody listen to John Jones. Like we know that he's a fuck up, right? But he can fight his ass off. Like that's that's the the story of John Jones's life. I don't know how his daughters are gonna view him when they get older, but that's like the story of John Jones. Like he's a fuck up, but he was the best fighter in the world. I'm sure they just try to ignore all the fuck up stuff, right? Yeah, like, you can't can't really when you're cheating on mom regularly. <laughs> and you have four daughters, like. But you look at the narrative that everyone paints. They don't paint that narrative of John Jones, right? Even today, no, there were so they... many people on, on this tour now that he's going on for a submission grappling tournament, which is still mind-boggling that people can compete in this while suspended. Um, he's going to wrestle Hendo or whatever it may be, and he's going on this media tour. And outside of this Joe Rogan interview, everyone else has been nothing but apathetic towards John Jones. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, people don't want to call John and shit. That's MMA media though. So I can't really, I just shrug my shoulders. Over. Like a lot of people he ain't just even paying the bills show. right now. Listen, yeah. Connor, Connor stories are paying the bills. I asked John Jones, whatever the fuck I want to ask John Jones. That's how I would look at it. Right? Like you, you have to ask the man for the truth at this point. He needs, nobody the, wants to like, and only one person Dip the toe into the waters of the truth. Because, um, listen, I'm 28 years old. I tell like, listen, I'm 28 years old too, John. Uh, I'm not a peak physical specimen as you are. And I've never had to take a dick pill in my life. So I understand it may be fun. But for you to do this 
frequently, like you've professed, why is that? Like, why do you need this? You're in shape. You should be strong like bull. Like, what is going on here? Because either you're drinking too much and the whiskey's getting to you at the end of the night, or I've heard that, you know, the blow does the same if you take too much. I don't know. I've never done blow. But I have friends in odd places. And I heard sometimes that's necessary. Like, we need to get to the, the bottom of this because just skating around, blaming stuff on weed, which is now legal. And, uh, you know, people are now, you know, okay with weed for the first time. So he was like, nah, it's just the weed. Like, do you have a drinking problem? No, I'm going to go back to drinking here soon. I'm just taking a little bit of time off. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, you just, you're just drunk driving to hit a woman. But that's not your problem. The weed is the problem. I don't understand it. It's, man, it's... The, it's John Jones, man. The like, many facets of John Jones. He's a, he's a fascinating character. I'm not like I said. I'm not a big fan of John Jones, but he's a fascinating individual. Like he's a, he's a, a very good case study, um, in just human African Americans too. He, people forget he's black. <laughs> so I think he just does that on purpose. But, John may forget he's black. No, no, John. John knows he's black. I don't think he cares that he's black. John lives um, life like he's not black. Well, like you don't you don't curse at police officers, you don't run away from the scene of a hit and run and shit on foot. Do you know what normal black people that run away from an accident on foot? They get shot. You can't walk away from a major accident nowadays. You got to stand there with your hands up. Man was above the law. Man, he he really <laughs> thought he was God's gift to earth. So, whatever. Yeah, John John doesn't see any color. John just sees him glowing. Um. John is John is a mess. Are you checking for his submission underground wrestling match or whatever the hell it is? A submission underground on Sunday? Um, yeah, I probably will watch it just because I'm curious. That and Misha Tate's on there too. What else? Um, <laughs> they're just collecting a check. I mean, it's two retired people: Hendo and Misha Tate, John Jones, who's sp- suspended, and that's about it, right? Like, what what yeah. else am I looking for? Um, and there's no punches. I'm right. No, it's, just, it's a grappling tournament, so yeah, nah, not not yeah. for me. I didn't wrestle in high school. It still doesn't interest me. Um, big ups to them though for collecting a check. Uh, what's next for John Jones? When do you see uh, him coming back? They peg him for next summer. Dana White says next summer. Title shot next summer. Yeah, unfortunately, if, as long as I mean not even unfortunately, as long as he can keep it together, yeah, he gets a title shot. Uh, right away. The, the, I love how you light, like backed away dude, the from that division, stage. So, the lightweight division is so bad without John Jones. And, and I'm just talking about in terms of competition. Like we really have no idea who's going to be the champ come this time next year. It could be Cormier. could be Anthony Johnson. That's it. I you, think Cormier retires sometime this year. He's 39 years old. Yeah, well, I mean, look at Dan Henderson. So, yeah, yeah he could fight forever. Um, but, I mean... Dude, the, the light heavyweight division outside of that is too thin. And that's why I say John Jones would get a title shot is because there's nobody else for him to fight. Like, there's nobody in there that you would be like, oh, man. Especially with the UFC being bought by uh, WMG, um, I mean, uh, WMG and having to be this, like, entertainment company now. Um, they're trying to sell. So you got to do things that sell. Like, who's John? If it's not Alexander Gustin, who knows where he'll be at this time next year, who else is there for John to fight? Name somebody. Yeah, no, Gus would be the only fight um, unless someone comes down for a heavyweight, which I don't see anyone up there. I don't know. Can Reem cut? Because I I don't know where Reem goes next. 
Hell no. Reem ain't cutting. He's too old for that shit. Yeah, so I don't nope. know. Reem would be like the only one that could possibly cut. Give John Jones a go for his money. Because that's another thing John Jones mentioned. Is that if there's the right heavyweight champion, he's willing to go for two belts at one time. And what that means is it's the smallest heavyweight champion. Possible, yes. So Stipe, um, Stipe is a prime candidate. Kane Velasquez, and I Kane think Velasquez is the candidate. Yeah, and it's a you know the narrative is built in. Stop beating up on baby, you know, on smaller bro, and come and avenge him. And John Jones tries to take the belt. Yeah, so we'll see. That's right now. That like for me, I really don't care what John Jones does right now because it's. Whatever. It's, it's not that important. It's December, and he's in the headlines. Um, another thing that is important, MMA Union, it's collapsing. I'm just going to say it. No, it's it's not looking good. It's not even collapsing. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a dark day for the MMA, uh, what was it? MMA Fighters Association, whatever it may have been. Um, so Cowboy Cerrone completely backtracks. On being one of the faces of this. I think he thought he was just going to sign a piece of paper anonymously and be like, okay, you guys do something. If it works, let me know. And uh, Papa Papa Bear Dana White wasn't having it. And Cerrone's kind of backed off of those statements. And now it seems like a lot more people are shying away from it. Where did they go wrong? Um, it was well, a week. One... A week's time. It's just, a, man, as much as it's needed, it's not even where they went. There's a lot of things that went wrong. Uh, it just depends on where you want to start because <laughs> Bajoran Rebney, for one, is where they went wrong. As soon as he was involved, people were like, nah, I'm good. So that, that was already problematic uh, because of his, his uh, reputation with Bellator preceded him, and people just didn't trust him. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's just, and it, to not call themselves a union is something that's wrong. It, it's just, there were a lot of things. This shit was just destined to not work. Damn shame. It happened so fast. Uh, Dana White put his stuff in motion to officially bury it. Um, what's next for guys like GSP then? Who are, once again, there's several fighters at the forefront of this. GSP probably being the biggest name who feels that he's still a free agent and still going to hold many of his opinions from this, you know, this association that he was a part of going into negotiations. Do we ever see him fight again? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> it's not looking strong. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it'll be up to his attorneys. and Because money's the great equalizer here. And if the UFC wants to pay him enough, he'll come back to the UFC. And I kind of see him fighting in the UFC next year. Just to, be, just to keep it completely real. Because I don't think anybody's... Even though, like, George St. Pierre came out as, like, militant George St. Pierre, I think at the end of the day, it's really going to be about fighting and who's going to offer him the most money to fight. So, uh... Bellator, Bellator might pony up the dough. They might, but then he'll be stuck in litigation forever because the UFC is not going to allow that to slide. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of – he'll fight again, but, I mean, this union thing is just going to be one of those things like, oh, uh, what's the best way to say it? Like, it's kind of like cheating on your girlfriend and your girl just takes you back, and that's what this is. Like, like Dana, look, hey, hey, Tim, hey, Donald, what are you guys doing? I've, I've been so good to you. And they were like, no, you're not. You're a jerk. And he's like, look. Um, no more vagina for you. And these guys were like, all right, I'll come back. So <laughs> it's kind of what happened here. So it's, it, everybody will just get over and move on, unfortunately, but that's just 
the way that it works. That's the way the way these things work. We're not going to see a real UFC union for a long time. Yeah, and we have Nick Diaz coming back, finally getting cleared of everything. Let's make it happen, man. Nick Diaz, GSP, again, is something I would like to see. And for the quote-unquote reintroduction of George St. Pierre, there's no better fight than Nick Diaz. I don't really care to see that fight again because it wasn't even competitive the first time. It wasn't, but reintroducing GSP to an audience, which is what they said they had to do. The Diaz brothers haven't been as big as they are now. They are uh, legit stars just by name. A lot of people, believe it or not, don't know that Nick and Nate are two different people. So they'll just tune in because they think it's the same person. Casual fans have no clue. Um, Word. like They'll be like, oh, there's two of them? I hear that so much. Or on Twitter, people be like, oh, yeah, Nick Oh, Nick should fight Connor again. But I'm like, uh, wrong brother. But I, I just let him slide. Like, all right, man, whatever, whatever you feel. Um, so it could do huge numbers. GSP would have some personality. It's one of the only people that brought personality out of GSP before a fight. Um, you know, the, the stuff with USADA now, the, Nick's going to be all over that. Long time accusing GSP of being a a cheater and a steroid user. So it makes for captivating television and press conferences. And um, even if you can't understand GSP as well uh, as many mainstream stars would like to be understood just because his accent and everything, it it gives him that little bit of flair and guys, you know, come back He's a movie star, everything. Does he still have it? Cause casual fans just need to be introduced to GSP in the new climate of the UFC. The throwing chairs and shit. Like, this is what people want now. So, GSP just has to bring a little bit of excitement. It can't be as robotic. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm not confident in any of this. Like, the future of the UFC is so up in the air for me right now that you're, I really, like, I have You're so 2017 no, today. Like, you're just like, oh, I'm not confident in the future or anything. Yeah, like, none Trump's of stuff president. I really care about. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that. That. I mean, primarily that. And then, you know. Like, we don't know what the hell's happening tomorrow. <laughs> it really like no, we just really don't. And for that is, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on anything right now. Like, yeah, GSP is gonna come back, big fucking deal. And I, I believe it when I see it, and when it happens, we could discuss it then. Right now, it's like everything else with GSP is just like whatever. This fighters union, it collapsed, big, big shocker. I was, I'm <laughs> not really, not shocked at all. But that's oh, the way of the world. Pessimistic Andreas today. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. All right, let's talk about stuff that is happening. Let's move away from the futures type conversations. Um, we just saw UFC, the Ultimate Fighter 24 finale. Uh, I saw a little bit of it before I had to bounce for an emergency, which is kind of crazy. But it didn't seem like I missed much besides the final fight. Um, what were your thoughts on DJ, him looking human? I was watching from my phone. It looked it looked shaky early. And then DJ does what he does and took control late. Um how do you feel about that number one pound-for-pound ranking? That's one thing I, I want to say immediately. Are people going to jump the gun, see DJ look somewhat human to a guy who just came off a television show and move Connor ahead of him? I mean, I already did, so... Oh, shit. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> Who's Connor I'm, behind I'm saying, on your list? Nobody. He's number one. Oh, okay. Wow. He's number, like, he's number one pound-for-pound pound on, on my... Like, if people would be like, he's number one? Yes. He oh. won two uh, world titles in two weight classes. He moved up and won. That's the key here is moving up and winning. And what people like talk about like winning two like titles is to move up and do it is a bigger feat than moving down. Everyone else like, has moved down, correct? Like DJ was a bantamweight 
lost to Dominic Cruz, hasn't lost since. He had a draw with Ian McCall in the inaugural flyweight tournament, and he's been the flyweight champion ever since in a relatively thin division that's not very competitive. I can't make him the number one pound-for-pound fighter because of that. Because when he tried to be pound-for-pound, he lost handily to Dominic Cruz. Conor McGregor tried to be great, lost to, to Nate Diaz, rematched and won that fight and two weight classes above. Then he went down to lightweight and won the world title. He's number one pound for pound. The only other person that I have on this list and the only reason why he's not number one is because the inactivity was Dominic Cruz. I had Dominic Cruz above DJ because Dominic Cruz beat DJ and hasn't looked and has looked phenomenal since. He took three goddamn years off and beat TJ Dillashaw. Like, I like Mighty. I think Mighty Mouse is one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world, but I don't think he's number one. And I haven't thought he's number one for since Dominic Cruz came back. So there's that. Wowzers. All right. DJ DJ just keeps the slide going. That puts DJ at like number four on your list if we're including John Jones. Um, which I still do. I mean, fuck it. I it's not gonna erase my memory of John Jones. Um he's not retired, so to me he's still number one right ahead of Connor. Even with the two weight classes, everything. Because once again, Connor lost. He got choked out in the second round, seven minutes into a fight. Um, I know the circumstances around it weren't great. Late notice, different opponent, up a ton of weight. I, I don't hold that against you know athletes too much. But John Jones hasn't lost. He lost because an elbow when he was whooping ass. I don't. The guy in my mind is undefeated. He's the best fighter in the world. He's number one pound for pound. But I can't argue. I mean, I can't even argue with that. You know, like John Jones was the best fighter. His uh, his dumbassness just kind of ruined him. So his ass is still the number one fighter. Like, well, when he's he just said, inactive. That's all. Yeah, when he comes back, you, or if Cormier is the champion, you're picking Cormier or John Jones. Of course, I'm picking John Jones. All right, Rumble or John Jones. That that's a tougher pick for me. That's the Cormier. tough fight, and that's that's like the John Jones if Cormier. Loses to Anthony Johnson and Anthony Johnson, uh, like one way or another, John Jones and Anthony Johnson have to fight. I don't I, like if Anthony Johnson loses, I don't care. There's John only Jones three people at, in that division, to be honest. I mean, what, yeah. Ryan Bader is going to come and challenge somebody? No. We saw what happened when he fought Rumble. Right, exactly. So it's like there, are, there aren't too many options for John Jones, but I feel like if John Jones is going to be the best pound for pound fighter in the world, he has to fight Rumble Johnson at some point. And I think he already is, but. Um, but yeah, that's, that's that. So DJ, like he had a rough first round against Tim Elliott, but then he won every round after that. And I, I, it was just another great performance by Demetrius Johnson. I just don't think there's any competition for him there. And he wants to break the record of Anderson. So it 10 consecutive title defenses. He's one away. Um, and he's going to do it. But then my question is, well, then what? Like you have to dare to be great. And I don't think. DJ hanging around a flyweight is going to, like, with nobody coming in, is going to make him great. And, I mean, everybody can say he's the best pound for pound fighter in the world. I just don't agree. See, that's interesting. Leads me to my next question. His next fight, because once again, he could break that record without his next fight being a title defense. So he can move up and lose, and it doesn't affect that record at all. So his next fight, if Dominic Cruz wins... Should these two go for a super fight? I, I, I know people are like, yo, this guy hates TJ Dillashaw. And it's like, yeah, man, you, you lost. Take your seat. Um, do they go for a super fight, DJ versus Cruz, to, to get another two-division champion, possibly? Or do we have the winner of Cejudo Benavidez, which is Joe B, in the eyes of the judges, do we have them get the next shot? 
or get uh, I mean, you know, Joe B get the next shot. Um, I think they should run it back personally. Five run. rounder, yeah. Run, give them yeah. like a FS1 card, five rounds, not the three, because three wax you out a bit. You go five rounds, FS1 card to see now who gets DJ again, because it was too close. And I, I think Cejudo has a legit case to make that he won that fight. Well. First things first, Henry Cejudo said he doesn't want to fight Joe Benavidez. He, he needs a break from him. Uh, that's the first thing he said at the post-fight press conference. Um, the second thing is, I talked to Demetrius Johnson the day before the fight, and I asked him about being a two-division champion, and he said, I'm not interested. And he said, the reason why I'm not interested is, like, they're just going to take one of those titles away from me. You saw what they did to Conor McGregor. Um, and he's not that interested in going up to Bantamweight. He's active enough, though, which is crazy. Yeah, but he doesn't want to. Connor so, wasn't active. People are using that as a horrible example. But what do you mean Connor wasn't active? Like he wasn't active in the featherweight division anymore, so they stripped him after a year. Well, well, th- th- see, this if he would have done it better if he would have defended one and then fight again, then defend the other, and then fight again. Like if you just alternate defending each title, you still get two title defenses in both divisions every year, barring injury. You're fine as a two-division champion. He didn't do that. Yeah. The Nate Diaz fight and then the burning sensation to to get that victory back really whacked him out. Well, I mean, if you look in the case of Demetrius Johnson, here's a guy, like, if you ask him to defend his flyweight title, move up to Bantamweight, and then move back down, that's going to kill your body. It's a wreck on your body. So, like, if you ask, let's be real. Most champions don't defend their title within the year. Most don't. And, kind of, and, and we just approached the one-year anniversary of kind of beat, knocking out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. Yep. It's only been a year. And he's fought four times since then. Like, him being stripped was bullshit. They, like, they should have waited until he made a decision on which title he was going to defend before they tried to strip him. But Demetrius, he's just he, he's not interested. And it's really, he, it's really, for him, he doesn't, like, it's, here's the crazy thing. D, Demetrius Johnson is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And there were less than 2,000 people at the Palms. And I don't care what the, they say, because they comped a lot of tickets. Yeah, I saw He's it. He's not drawing shit. No. Nah. He's not drawing. And a super fight, while it would be more appealing, he's just not interested. He got paid $350,000 for that fight. He's not interested. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. So <laughs> It's not bad at all. Demetrius Johnson is the type of guy, if you say— They had fight to have lost my money room. on that, by the way. Of course he did. But it's like— Fight in my living room for $350,000 and you won't get any fans. He's like, all right. Because all he cares about is breaking the record and making money. Like, that's it. Yeah. I can't fault him for it. But uh, He has enough fans on Twitch. Fuck it. Yeah, he's not fighting Dominic Cruz anytime soon. Cruz is more interested in fighting Conor McGregor. And Cruz, when, when Cruz and Johnson fought, like, if, if you go back and watch that fight, Cruz was so much bigger than DJ. And there was nothing that Demetrius could do in that fight. So I like Dominic I, Cruz a lot. I do not like him against Conor McGregor. Um, I think it's an interesting fight. He gets hit way too much. Like, yeah. as much as he doesn't get hit, when he does get hit, he gets rocked. And these are by 135-pound guys. Well, who's rocked him? Uh, he's been dropped twice. Again. No, 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 who's rocked? Like, who's hurt Dominic Cruz? Nobody's hurt Dominic Cruz. He only got guillotined by Uriah Faber. Nobody's legitimately hurt Dominic Cruz in a fight. He's never been buzzed, dazed. He's been clipped. But most fighters get even clipped and dropped by Uriah. Yeah, but he was twice. Wasn't, he, but no, 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 no. In the like, same a, fight. 
But there's it's a difference when you get like I think hurt. it's when Uriah lost. It's the one yeah. Uriah lost that he clipped him and dropped him twice. I mean he recovered yeah, he right away. He didn't hurt him. No, no. Like But we said I'm the same is, shit against Eddie Alvarez. Like, oh, who hurts Eddie Alvarez? It's a whole different ball game. Well, no, 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 that's different. Like, Michael Chandler beat the shit out of him. Like, he pummeled Eddie Alvarez. That's different. I'm, I'm talking about, like, hurting Dominic Cruz. He doesn't get hurt. He's a master uh, strategist. Like, he, he, he game plans well. I think a, a fight with him and Conor McGregor could be very interesting at lightweight. Well, spoiler I alert, I don't think he's making it out of this fight. So, it is what it is. Yeah, you're putting a lot on Cody Garbrandt. I am. Um, I'm, put, I'm betting the house on Cody. I might, go put a, nah, you know, I, I might go put a little dollar down on Cody, though. You never, yeah, you never go through that. Because I, I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't in confidence. Like, Cody Garbrandt's no Conor McGregor. And he's only beat. I mean, look at who he's beat. Let's be, let's be real here. He hasn't beat TJ Dillashaw. Like, Cody Garbrandt should have fought TJ Dillashaw. To get really should fight. have. Um, no, my, my theory remains the same on how to be elite level, like generationally great MMA fighters. And that is to have one punch knockout power. You don't have to be even a top five guy. You have to have a one trick pony because you just have to clip them once because they're going to be better than you in the long run. It's just a fact of the matter. So how do you beat John Jones? You have to have one shot knockout power. So even though I think Daniel Cormier is a better fighter than Rumble, and that was proven, Rumble has a better chance any day of the week of beating John Jones. Same thing. We yeah. saw Conor McGregor one-shot knockout power to beat the greatest featherweight of all time. Do I think anyone else is beating Jose Aldo? No. Because he's going to outclass everyone else who doesn't have one-shot power. And the yeah. same thing goes for Cruz. Like, do I think TJ... Do, do I think TJ Dillashaw is probably a better fighter than Cody Garbrandt? Has a chance against Dominic Cruz? No chance in hell. But I give Garbrandt a chance because he has one shot knockout power. And that's how you beat people who are truly great. Because if you try to go 25 minutes with them, you're going to look silly. And that's where I stand. That's how I think someone's going to have to beat Joanna. Um, that's how Ronda Rousey had to get taken out of here with true knockout power. Because you go five with Ronda, she's going to trip your ass and armbar you. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's all true. I'm just saying, like, Cody Gar, I, like, I'm not picking Cody Garbrandt to beat Dom- Dominic Cruz. You're crazy. I'm, I'm not pick- picking. It's 2016, man. You see the wild shit I've seen in 2016? It's the only yeah, reason but I I'm, Tyron I'm not, Woodley. I'm not picking. Bring, bring I'm, I'm not shit. picking. I, I like Cody a lot. And I said the, day, the first day I saw Cody fight, I was like, he's going to be a title contender. But I, I'm not picking him to beat Dominic Cruz. I would have picked him to beat Dominic Cruz if he would have wore out T.J. Dillashaw. But without that on his resume, like without, I can't pick him. Okay. I can't. They'll have it next. Or we'll the, the alpha fail talk is going to be real heavy if he knocks out Dominic is. Cruz. It's going to be crazy. Um, so that's DJ. We ran through the tough finale. Let's preview real quick UFC 206, which is coming up this weekend. It is a title matchup um, for the interim, 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 interim featherweight title. Between Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis. Some other good fights on there. Cowboy Cerrone uh, versus Matt Brown is now the co-main, which isn't bad. Um, Cub Swanson versus Doho Troy, which is my fight of the night, I think. Not a bad pick. It's, I mean, Troy's going to knock him out quick. So I, they're not going to get that bonus. But Dude, um, you're putting a lot on Troy, too, and not enough on Cub Swanson. But, I, I, okay. Ah. Carry on. We've had the discussion on gateway fighters, right? 
like the the gatekeepers. Um, Cub is now the gatekeeper, and Choi's gonna wreck him. We have Tim Kennedy versus Kelvin Gastelum, which you know, I believe Kelvin's gonna make the weight. If he misses weight at a higher division, how crazy would that shit be? Um, that just makes it sad ass. <laughs> but you know, Kelvin when he gets in there, he does well. And I, I guess those fights, uh, I'm looking forward to the Valerie Letourneau fight. Just, you know, that's just me. I'm not sure how many other people are. Um, McDessie's fighting on this card, which would be dope. It's a decent card still. I, I'm not mad at it. It's going to be fun. I'm going to watch it start to finish. Um, let's run down on our picks. Let's only pick the main card, though, since this is a long segment. Uh, Jordan Main versus Emil Weber Meek. I'm picking Jordan Main. Um Better fighter. That's yeah, pretty simple. Um, but it's a good fight to kick off. You know the pay per view. It's, it's not bad. Um, Tim Kennedy versus Kelvin Gastelum. I'm taking Gastelum to win. And I know Tim Kennedy's <laughs> really good. Um, <laughs> Tim Kennedy, Ooh, arguably, what one fight away from a title shot? I mean, he's he's been like a fight away. He's just been active inactive for two years, but the guy's in excellent shape. That's why it's just like I I don't know what to expect from Tim Kennedy and Tim Kennedy. When I looked at his win loss record and his last couple fights, because once again he's been at, inactive for a while. Um, to me, he had Yoel Romero. He did. Everybody thought he beat Yoel Romero. Like he, <laughs> and he, had he just finished. got caught. He got yeah. caught dirty, and it was like. Fuck and yeah, I thought he could have like I think he could have been given the finish. The yes. fact that Romero was allowed to continue fighting was crazy. I, we were in that building. It still mm-hmm. boggles my mind. Um, and outside of that, just looking through the people, you know, he went the, him. I watched the him versus Luke Rocco fight in Strikeforce. That was close as hell. Yeah. And, so and how are you picking against this man? Are you saying I all haven't these seen him in two years, and I I would love to follow the Dominic Cruz. There's no such thing as ring run. Octagon rust, but I haven't seen the guy, and I haven't seen him after a knockout. So it's kind of like I'm tentative to pick Ronda too, because it's just like you get knocked out and then you're out for two years. I would like to say it's just physical, but what what's your mental like? But he worked Bisping in their fight. He he has good so wins up and down. He beat Robbie Lawler. The guy is good. It's just I don't know. How he is after two years. Yeah, I'm just gonna cut you short there. I'm picking Tim Kennedy. Gaslam's in a new weight class. He's gonna have to <laughs> deal with somebody that's stronger than him. Um and, and more skilled. Yeah, so I'm picking Tim Kennedy. Like I like Kelvin Gaslam. I think he's pretty good, but I don't think he's great. I mean, he beat Johnny Hendricks his last fight. And it's funny because Hendricks missed weight in that fight. But uh yeah, I don't see this I don't see this being that difficult to pick. Um yeah, Kennedy lost to Romero by knockout, but it wasn't one of those debilitating, career-altering knockouts. He was been inactive because of other things. It had nothing to do with, you know, being knocked out. So Kennedy should pick up the win here and put himself right back in the middle of the uh, the, the top tier of the the middleweight division. If he does, I mean, if he looks great in this fight, which I I fully believe he can. If he does, he deserves to you know be shot to the top again because he's beat some of the biggest names in the division. Yeah, I mean, the only people he's lost to other than Romero was uh, recently was Rockhold and Jacare. And personally, um, I hope he does it quick because um, I would love to see, you know, him versus one of the top guys who are, there's now a ton of them. So yes, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we get Michael Bisping, one fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, him versus Weidman on on the comeback would be great. Um, him Rockhold again would be fun to see. You just 
the matchups in that division right now are, are amazing. The only bad part is the champion, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, going to the next fight, Cub Swanson versus Troy. I'm picking Troy. I mean, Troy is the prospect here, um, and he's a he's a devastating kickboxer. Um, he just hasn't fought somebody the level of Cub Swanson. So I'm going to God, this is, this is a tough fight to pick. Um, because Cub is a very good striker. Uh, Cub was on a roll at one point. He's only lost recently to the two, top, two of the top guys in the division, Freddie, Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway. Correct. Um, so I'm going to pick Cub Swanson here. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Troy knocked him out in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm going to pick Cub Swanson. I think the veteran, should, the veteran fighter in here that has a, a pretty, pretty decent ground game is a competent striker should uh, be able to deal with Troy's kickboxing. All right, I'll take a Troy second round TKO, not the first round TKOs he's been known for so far. Um, Co-main, Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown. Welterweight fight. I like Cerrone a lot more at welterweight. He just looks comfortable. He's handled the weight really well. I'm going to ride Cerrone again. Matt Brown has been going the wrong direction, in my opinion. Yeah, Matt Brown's had a couple of tough outs, and uh, Cerrone's been... Rampage. We're we're waiting for that moment where Cerrone just the wheels fall off because it always happens with Donald. But it's not going to be this fight. This is potentially be fight of the night, um, and I think we're just going to see a lot of shit in this fight. I think we're going to see Cerrone empty out the toolbox because Brown's not an easy out. Granted, he got knocked out by Jake Ellenberger, but he's not an easy out for anybody. So um, I think this being a, being a war. I don't know if Cerrone will finish him. He may, um, but this is going to be fun. I'm picking Cowboy. Yo, crazy that Matt Brown has been in the UFC since 2008. Yeah. That is insane. That's a lot of mileage on that body. Um, Yeah, I got to ride with Cerrone. In the interim title fight, Holloway versus Pettis. How do you see it going down? Well, um, I think Max Holloway, since losing to Conor McGregor, has just been remarkable in the featherweight division. But I'm picking Anthony Pettis. Wow. Um. Yeah, people are going to look at me crazy for this. But the reason why I'm picking Anthony Pettis is I think people forgot that this was one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Yeah, I must have and forgot. him coming down to light, I mean, from, from lightweight to featherweight, and what he did to Charles Oliveira with the ground game, we forgot how good he is on the ground. Well, Max Holloway's not a wrestler. A three-fight Max, winning streak would do that. Yeah, Max Holloway. Or a losing Max, streak. Yeah, but Max Holloway's not a wrestler. Max Holloway's not going to be a bull like Dos Anjos did to him. Those things aren't going to happen in this fight. I look at Max Holloway. I think this is going to be this. I think this will probably be fight of the night because I think there's going to be some ridiculous offense in this fight. Um, but Holloway's going to have to ground Pettis to beat him, and I don't know if he can do that. I don't think he's as dynamic as a striker as Anthony Pettis. I think Anthony Pettis has found something at featherweight that could be very interesting. And the fact that I saw him for more than two rounds at featherweight against Oliveira showed me a lot. Um, so I'm going to pick the underdog here. Pettis is the underdog. He is. He's a, former, he's a former lightweight champion of the world. He's coming in as an underdog. And I understand why, because Max Holloway hasn't lost since he lost to Conor McGregor. I mean, he's 1-3 in his last four fights. He's fighting a guy in a nine-fight winning streak. I think that equates to underdog. Yeah. No, I understand the underdog status. Um, I just think Pettis has found new life at featherweight, and I don't know if Max Holloway has necessarily has the tools to take out Anthony Pettis over five rounds. So I'm going to pick Pettis. Understandable. Um, 
I think Pettis offers the better narratives going forward. I think he presents a lot more challenges to Jose Aldo because he's bigger. He has the reach. Some of the same challenges we thought Connor would present over a lengthy fight that we never got to see. Um, I'm going to pick Holloway because he showed me nothing to say that he's stopping his momentum. But, you know, Pettis, he, if he's not overly dependent on the kicks, which sometimes is is what I think is his detriment in fights, because he has good hands, but he gets too reliant on the kicks, um, and they don't land at a high enough rate to win him rounds. And that's how we see him lose a split decision to Eddie Alvarez. Um, lost this decision to Edison Barbosa just because you're just not using your hands enough. Use your jab. Point people. I'm not sure if he remembers how to outpoint people. So many of his wins on his title trek were KOs, submissions, all this stuff, that he's lost sight of how to outpoint people. I'm not sure if he really ever knew, to be honest. He was just running through people at a time. Um, but, you know, his three-fight losing streak before he went down is impressive. You, you, he lost to a champion, RDA, uh, before he got the title. Champion, Eddie Alvarez, before he got the title. Barboza, a guy moving up, and that fight I thought was there for the taking. He just wasn't aggressive enough. So we'll see if the Oliveira fight is more of the norm again for for Anthony Pettis. I, I think the narratives are better for him, but I'm picking Max Holloway. Yeah, I, again, it's my issue with Max is I'm trying to find a path to victory. And I think he's a good striker. I think he's a very competent striker. I think there's a lot of things that Max Holloway does good. I just don't know if he does enough of them great to beat Anthony Pettis. Yes, but we'll see. make fights. You, you're completely right. I mean, he had a hard time getting the length and closing the gaps against Conor McGregor, which is his last loss. And probably the last person who was truly bigger than him in reach and length like Pettis would be. Everyone else is pretty short arm people he ran through. Um, Oliveira aside, so we'll, we'll see uh, how he handles that. Should make for a great main event. Before we take this quick break, new Ronda Rousey UFC 207 promo came out just a couple weeks away. It only focuses on Ronda. You only see the champ, <laughs> Nunez, at the end. Yes, it's the champ. What do you mean? Like <laughs> she got five no. seconds in a three-minute promo. It's not she, like the promo's 30 she, seconds. She got five seconds in a three-minute promo. No, I agree with you, but this is not surprising. Dude, like when Mike Tyson came back, nobody <laughs> cared about anybody else. It's about Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's a damn shame. That's what this is. And they make her look like Shrek in the poster. It's the worst picture they could have chosen for Amanda. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just oh, don't. My like, God. The draw is Ronda Rousey. Yeah, they're That's making it. it, the draw. She looks it, like she's a fucking fairy princess in that poster too yeah. and the whole thing is about her and oh god i had to listen to stevie a, stephen a smith talk mma in the promo there's yeah, just no, so many just... things just oh just raw with that shit i just had to bring it up get it off my chest before we went to break um everyone stay with us though when we come back from break we're going to talk boxing real quick big boxing weekend we're just going to um give you our predictions for the weekend so stay tuned for that first though hit up this survey really helps out the show Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? 
I'm living life large on iTunes with that. And you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. And if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, everybody, we are back from that quick break. Thank you guys for the support once again. We are here to talk boxing. A lot of fights this weekend. I I forgot about like two or three of them. No lie, until yesterday, until someone hit me up on Twitter. Shout out to you with all the posters and stuff. Man, it's a lot of great boxing. I'm be watching UFC, but I have to find a way to fit all of these in. Um, Let's run down the list, Andreas. First fight, we have Crawford versus Molina. It's going to be an ass whooping. Like, this is... Look, the only reason why this fight happened is because Crawford wanted to get another fight before the year ended. Canelo got hurt. Gennady couldn't find an opponent to fight on December 10th. So Crawford was able to step in and get this fight. Molina is a guy that's going to fight, but he's going to be overmatched, and he's going to get knocked out. There's that. Pretty easy. I have it the same. Crawford, another statement fight. Um, There was talks, though. Shout out to Giandra, Bad Culture, MBSO's own. That she was talking to Freddie Roach yesterday. She said that Manny Pacquiao will be flying to the States next week to talk business and possibly make an announcement. Clever timing if Crawford looks dominant as he should to kind of put Manny in the realm of a Terrence Crawford fight at 140. Um, it wouldn't be the wisest career move for Manny if he's looking to continue his legacy. But as a one fight, um, just kind of shoot to build a new star or give Manny a win over a future star because Terrence Crawford is only going to get better. So if Manny can pick up a win a la Floyd picking up a win on Canelo, it looks great down the road because um, Crawford's only going to get better. Might as well do it now before he's been on that super humanly big stage. Maybe the butterflies get him. I don't know. Um, hopefully it sets that up. But this fight, Crawford looking amazing versus Molina, hands down. Yeah, this will be easy work. And, and as far as the Pacquiao fight goes, Pacquiao should stay far, far away from Terrence Crawford. That The opportunity to take advantage of Crawford before he got good has passed. Crawford's 20, uh, 28? 28. He's, he's entering his prime. He's it's in just, his prime. Yeah, it's just big fight no. feel. Like, you know, you kind of got to hope that it rattles him. Um, I, yeah, I don't no. see it happening, man. But uh, listen, whatever talks Manny into this shit, I'm down for. Um, next fight, J-Rock Williams versus Charlo. One of the Charlo brothers. <laughs> well, I'm picking the better Williams Charlo. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Williams here. Uh, Charlo hasn't shown me enough to say that he could beat J Rock. J Rock has been a guy who's. This is going to be his coming out party. Didn't um, we watch the Charlo fight together? Weren't we at the last yeah. Charlo fight? You didn't like that. Yeah. He didn't show you enough. I thought he had a good performance. No. <laughs> Besides J Rock heckling him from over our shoulder all fight. 
Yeah, but even then, I think the problem is that Charlo gets touched a lot. Um, and Jamal, I mean, as good as he's been, he's he's better than Jamal. But he got touched against Trout a little bit, um, and he hasn't fought great competition. Cornelius Bundridge, Wilkie Campford, Michael Finney. Like, you can't even pick these guys out of a lineup. Also, Trout was the guy that people knew. But yeah. also, Trout has been a little bit longer in the tooth than most fighters. So... Julian Williams has been the guy that I've been looking at for a long time. So, yeah, I'm picking J-Rock. Um, I think this will this will be competitive for about five rounds, and I think that Julian Williams will just take over and maybe finish him. Yeah, I, I like uh, J-Rock in this fight as well, as much as I was trying to talk you into switching sides. Um, no, I think J-Rock, and that's kind of his M.O. Like, he's, when people say, like, oh, he has the dog in him, that's J-Rock. Because I'm never going to pick him for, like, a first, second, or third round KO. Because to me, he likes to play with his food before he eats it. Like, he's just going to beat the hell out of you for a couple of rounds and then be like, I'll put you out of your misery in the 8th, ninth, or 10th. And I see yeah. him going the same, right, same way in this fight. Um, I think J-Rock wears him down. He talks trash while doing it. He's just that grimy, gritty fighter. I, I would love for him to take this belt and possibly, possibly entice Canelo into a fight. I'm just not sure if they're willing to bet Canelo on someone who's not on that level. Yeah, I mean, again, J-Rock's, his resume is not that, that impressive either. I'm just going off of the eye test here. I could be completely wrong. Jamal Charles could come out and just look like a beast on Saturday night. But the winner should fight Canelo. At this point, Canelo's, he's talk, Canelo's, Canelo's talking about, I mean, he's talking about fighting at 154 again. So it's like, you know, you got to fight somebody. And there's some competition here with these two guys. Yeah, it'd be um, nice to people grab have a belt on at 150. Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm picking J-Rock. It, it, I think it'll be a good fight regardless. Um, then we have Anthony Joshua versus Molina. Wash. That's, like, <laughs> over under three rounds. Um, Molina's got a hard chin. He can take a punch. He showed that. Uh, but, yeah, this is probably ending, like, six, maybe less. Depends on how Joshua feels. If he feels like putting some rounds in the tank, this can go about six. If he doesn't, he might get him out of there in two. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I think he gets him out of there in two for the reason you said. Uh, Molina's taking a lot of hits. Like, they have to add up sooner or later, right? So, I I, I don't know. I think he, he gets out of here quick, setting Anthony Joshua up for a Klitschko fight in the spring. And that's something we all want to see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. Though I don't, I don't. You're still don't not sold that on that. No, I'm not sold on anything. If this, you, if this podcast does anything, <laughs> then people are like Andreas doesn't care about shit. Because I, you know, it's December. It's December. My mind is elsewhere. It's about to be Christmas. I don't know if any of these things are going to materialize. You asked me about Gennady and Canelo. I don't know. You asked me what John Jones is going to do. I don't know. Like everybody's about to take some time off and then reconfigure their lives and make some New Year's resolutions. And people are going to start saying, my 2017 is about to be the shit. No, it's not. It's going to be the same shitty year you had last year. But, dude, I don't know. I, I want to see Anthony Johnson fight Klitschko, but we'll see what happens after the holidays. When, when everything gets back into full swing come, like, March, things will start materializing. We'll have a good idea where these guys are headed. But right now, we're just closing out the year with some solid fights. This isn't going to make you feel any better then. Uh, Chavez Jr. is back. Yeah, versus Brish. He has he's headlining the card. Nobody cares. Well, I don't care. I don't know if anybody else cares, but Chavez, the, I don't care. The Mexican contingent look, look. probably cares. I mean, if he's not fat, 
he can fight and he still carries a name. Look, the son of a bitch is a goddamn light heavyweight. He should fight Canelo, and one Mexican's got to go. So there you go. <laughs> Canelo and Chavez, and, a, and it could be a goddamn super middleweight bout because we know how big Canelo is. He should fight Chavez, and then the one Mexican's got to go. Loser That's the perfect warm up for Triple G, though. Because at least you get a bigger fighter under, under your belt. Just, just do it. It's Mexico. Yeah. Just, look, like I said, loser has to go to Antarctica or some shit like that. <laughs> so just do it. Well, Chavez should start shopping. Um, we have Abner Mares fighting as well. Quellar, which is Quellar, a really, which is a really good, good fight. Yeah, yeah. good um, fight. Um, this and Mares, the J-Rock fight on the same cool. card is nice. Yeah, this... Okay, I don't know if anybody saw the picture of Quaylar maybe about a month ago, and he looked like he ate the old Quaylar. Um <laughs> Jesus Christ, he looked big. This is this is going to be a really good fight. Uh, I'm gonna pick Abner Mares, and I'm I'm like barely picking him. Um, be, and I think this is actually gonna be really good. Quaylar has beaten Akendo, Darchinian, uh, Juan Manuel Lopez, Rico Ramos. He lost to uh, damn it, I can't remember his name. Oscar Quaylar still looks pretty damn big, by the way. He's has he big. Lost the, has he lost the weight yet? I'm yeah, looking at I pictures, like recent coming? pictures. Yeah, like he still looks pretty damn big. This could be the best fight of the weekend between these two tiny guys who are going to throw punches like there's no tomorrow. Navi Mars has got something to prove. Um, it could cost him in the end, but I'm going to pick Mars, just not with a ton of confidence. I'm going to pick Mars as well, just for selfish reasons i just want him to see i I just want him to get back into that high level title picture um i haven't seen a bad abner mares fight like it's just exciting um right i i always like watching him fight usually fights here in vegas um the santa cruz fight you know what i I enjoyed that fight to me he didn't get dominated it was good back and forth fight i want to see him run it back why not right um and, and you got you have a guy like I, I, there's possibilities for guys to move up to fight him where he's a bigger fighter. He can move up. Like there's, this is why this is one of my favorite weight classes, by the way, because if he just moved up a couple pounds, like I would like to see him fight Lomo. Like him versus Lomachenko. Great fight. Now he'd be, Lomachenko beats the shit out of him, but, but I mean, they're fun. throwing hands. There ain't no defense. Yeah. There's no, no Moss like we just saw. No, no, it's not. Like, he has that toughness. Like, he's one of those fighters where you're just like, damn, I just want to see him fight the best. He might not win, but it's going to be one hell of a fight. He's kind of like a tiny Marquez. He's like, you know what? He'll win a couple of them. He's going to lose a ton of them. But this shit's going to be fun. When he comes to fight, that's one thing you got to say about when he comes to fight. Um, But that's the fights for this weekend, pretty much. Boxing was a quick rundown. Uh, Another thing announced, Cotto versus Kirkland. Announced for the spring. You don't what give a, a shit about in the future. Joke. Dog, what a, <laughs> what a, oh my God. Like, when I, I forgot, I, I would have forgot to mention it on the show until you just brought that bullshit up. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible fight. That shit's terrible because it's a pay-per-view. You got to put up 60 to watch that shit. They should be paying me to watch it. Dude, James Kirkland is, first of all, he's not shit without Ann Wolf. Second of all, the soul of watch- James Kirkland may not be there. Yeah, like, dude, he just got obliterated by Canelo. He's just this. This is this is sad. This is oh my god. If any of you, if anybody listens to the show, buys that pack, I mean, buys that pay per view, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming <laughs> after you. I'm coming to your house because there's something wrong with you. You should not pay for that. 
Nah, where is the fight going to be? Did they announce that? They did not announce where the fight's going to be. I hope that it's here in Vegas, so I got to see your face all week. Like, I oh can't believe God. I got to cover this fucking fight. But a... really, it should be in Brooklyn, right? It's Miguel Cotto. Yeah, it'll be in New York. But come on, Barclays. Um, like, what if what if James Kirkland knocks out Miguel Cotto? It's doubtful, but what a sh- dude! This is a shitty fight. Not <laughs> um, looking crazy. I, I don't I don't know where to peg it. Um, hopefully, Rock Nation puts like a dope little concert on with it, right? That's what they usually do to sell these whack ass pay per views. I don't know. Can Man, we get a J Cole just, concert? Like, just get this shit give out. Me of ten here. minutes of J Cole in between, and and it might be okay. Um, maybe they stack the card though. You you never know. There's some hope there, not much, um, and we'll see. We'll see what they have to offer for that fight. What we have to offer next is another break, so you guys stay tuned through the break. When we come back, we're talking wrestling. We have WWE. Um, we had well, two things from WWE. We have TLC and the Raw SmackDown recap. Also, we're talking ROH, which probably had the best lineup of the weekend, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online, and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. What up, everybody? Another huge shout-out to the sponsors. Thanks so much for keeping the show going and keeping it free for all you guys to listen to. We're talking wrestling, and we're starting off with ROH, Final Battle. It was the best thing this weekend. It just was. It deserves to lead off the wrestling segment of the show. If you guys don't watch ROH, what the hell are you waiting for? They tour everywhere. They're coming to Vegas again. We'll all be at the show. Reverse Rat Pack in the house. If you guys want to come out to Vegas for the ROH anniversary show, come out. We'll talk. You guys be on the show. We hang out. You know, Andreas will be pessimistic and shit and just tearing the the matches apart. It'll be a fun time. So come and chill. Um, Open invitation. I think that's in March, right? Yeah, the anniversary show should be in March. Yeah, it's like March 10th, 11th, 12th or something like that. Um, Yep. So look it up. We will be there. But ROH Final Battle, we saw a lot of good matches. Um, I couldn't. Through the beginning, I was like, whatever. But we had Silas Young versus Jushin Thunder Liger, which the match was, you know, a little bit better than I thought it would be. Um, we had Motor City Machine Guns versus the Rebellion uh, six-man tag match. That was okay. Um, I, I wasn't really feeling that. The Rebellion, I guess, is getting a push. 
Uh, did you watch that match? Like, how early did you start watching ROH? You watched the entire not, thing? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Yeah, what did you think about the Rebellion? I'm not sold on them. Um, hmm. Well, <laughs> I'm not sold on them either. Uh, <laughs> it just, it, it's just, it, I mean, it, the cabinet has become the Rebellion. Caprice Coleman is like a joke. Um, I'm, I like Kenny King. I'm not a big Red Titus fan. Um I mean, the real star of this match was Donovan Dijak. If you look at Donovan Dijak and you're like, mm, Vince will probably be calling you soon. Because he's, <laughs> he's big, he's athletic, um, he has a look to him. Dijak is a guy who, yeah, I think he just came on the scene, was that last year? Yeah. And he's been making a pretty big impact. So that's, that match is all about him. Um, but yeah, as far as the Rebellion is concerned, I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. Um, we then have the Silas Young, Juice and Thunder Liger. It's like whatever. Um, Dalton Castle versus Colt Cabana, which is just kind of like a funny little match to throw in there. Um, yeah, Dalton Cole Castle with the heel turn. Yeah, Dalton Castle still Dalton Castle though. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm I love Dalton Castle. I, I don't think know, he's... and he's middling. I don't understand it. Well, they, I mean, they got to figure out where he's going to fit because Castle is the guy that doesn't need the title. But the only thing that Castle hasn't really had is a real legit feud. He had he had the feud with Silas Young that went on for a while. Now Cole Cabana turned on him. It seems like that's a wrap. So it's like, where does he go from here? Um, he's good enough to compete with just about anybody. But his character is just, he's the type of character that doesn't need a title to validate him. Yeah, which um, is hard on the indies, though. Because on the indies, you kind of want to be a champion, you know? You want to show yeah, but, what you have. And to be a mid-card guy because your character is too good... On the Indies, kind of sucks. Yeah, but you know, we'll we'll see. I, I believe he'll get a push um, towards maybe the TV title or something in the near future because he's a good wrestler too. Strong, yeah. um, he's solid. He's just a, a very solid all around character. Like he's ready made for NXT. Oh, yeah. you want to talk about anybody that can go to NXT? Him and, and make the boys. It, yeah, he make a splash. Like Dalton Castle is ready made for that, and he can wrestle. So yo, he came um, out like they'll probably give him a dope theme song, and he comes out with the Peacocks. Fuck. Yeah, he he's over. Like that guy so, is super <laughs> over. Super over. Um, we have Cody Rhodes, the the artist formerly known as Cody Rhodes, who is just known as Cody, uh, due to legal reasons, um, versus Jay Lethal, and we see our biggest surprise of the night, right? Heal Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, I commend ROH for, for going this route. Everybody else has kind of had the Cody Rhodes world tour where they just bring him in as this baby face who defected from WWE and the cheers, but ROH turned him heel. And I, I thought that was, I think that was a really smart move. Because if he's going to be with your company, look, Cody's best years in the WWE were as a heel. Oh, um, when, dashing. When he, well, my favorite version of Cody Rhodes was when he was still when he was dashing Cody Rhodes, but then he got his face broke by Rey Mysterio and had to wear the face mask, and the music was all distorted and different. And he was ugly, and he was like, "Don't look yeah. at me." <laughs> I love that version of Cody. So, him turning, you know, healing this match and pick, picking up the win versus Jay Lethal, I'm I'm all for it. Um, I don't know what they do with Cody from this point though, because Cody's still like a WWE talent trapped in the indie circuit. Yeah. So he doesn't we'll wrestle see. at that pace. It's odd. Yeah. We'll see how far he can go with this, but um, I was perfectly fine with how this this match went. Uh, Jay Lethal still one of the better workers in wrestling, so this was fun to watch. Um, I just put out my top ten indie wrestlers of 2016 list, and Lethal was on there. Um, I came in like eight or nine for me for 2016, 
And I pointed to this match as one that's really going to capture the eyes of WWE and NXT to say Jay can hold his own against this style of wrestling. And his learning curve isn't as much as you would think. Because as much as it was a showcase for Cody to ROH fans, it was a huge showcase for Jay Lethal to prove that he can work that style. And well, still I mean, get we've his seen him do it before. Off. He yeah. did it in TNA. No, TNA was a joke, though. He was a caricature in TNA. Um, he never really got the opportunity. He was still really young. 24, I think? Yeah. In TNA. So he's like 24, 26 in TNA. That's, that's not the Jay Lethal we know now. And a lot of his matches have been, you know, crazy fast-paced ROH-style matches. You look at him versus Jay Briscoe, and um, I guess him and Adam Cole was more of a slow, methodical pace match. But this one really showed, like, okay, he can work that style, and he's ready-made for NXT. This is a guy I think goes to NXT this year. I, I think he's so. done all he can do in ROH. I think he's one of the guys they bring over. I, I, I just don't. I don't think so. I don't think they bring him over. Um, I don't know if Lethal's done all he can do. I, I think Lethal as a babyface is just, you know, picking up some steam. So, uh, in the ball head, I mean... The ball head Lethal know. is definitely a better case to get into NXT than well, Struggle yeah. Raids Lethal. Yeah, that, that that, that's very true. That's <laughs> very true. But uh, it, I, I enjoy watching Jay work. And um, I enjoy listening to his promos because I feel like he's like Macho macho Man Ric Flair or some shit. Yeah, in his the, promos. the list like is he's hilarious. A yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I struggled to put him at eight. I almost left him off the whole damn list together, but it's hard. He carried the company for a time, so big ups to Jay Lethal. Uh, the Kingdom versus Kushida, Leo Rush, and Jay White for the six-man tag team tournament um, titles. Whatever. Uh, I, I'd never liked the Kingdom. Haven't been a fan since the first day you told me to watch ROH. I can't do it. Well, I mean, Them and Red Dragon. And I, I dislike them more than I dislike Red Dragon. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of the Kingdom either. And this is a new iteration of the Kingdom. I've never really been a huge Matt Taven guy. But, uh, you know, TK Orion and uh, Vinny Masek. Yeah, the, like the, the new version of the Kingdom, I'm not surprised that they won this because they were already a ready-formed trio. So, shrug. I mean, We're going to get was, the Kingdom versus the Rebellion, and I'm be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's possible. But uh, whatever. Yeah, I'm not enthused the, by it. Things was picked okay. up after this match. Yeah, yeah like things, the whole pay-per-view picked up after this match. I like Leo Rush a lot. He's still young. They just don't know what to do with him yet. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got the time. Match of night, probably. We have the ROH World Television Championship. The villain, Marty Skrull, um, versus Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay. I love this match. Ospreay is incredible. Um, Osprey is incredible, but it, it, as far as ring psychology and in-ring work, Marty Skrull is a notch above a lot of talent. A lot of right people, now. right? He made my that, list too of indie talents of 2016. Yeah, that he is. Like the first time I saw him was the first time I watched him live was when me and Marcus uh, Vandenberg went to Bola, uh, not this year but the year before. And I'm like, and I never had seen him before, and because I would think he was wrestling only primarily Rev Pro. Yeah. And uh, and he was in the Bola tournament. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like. The jokes, like the, the the shit that he does, the way he sets up the chicken wing, like his chick, the chicken wing is his finish. The finger snap is probably the most innovative thing that I've seen out of any wrestler right now. It's such a simple heel move where he snaps their fingers, and it makes that loud cracks. And I'm still like, how the fuck does he do it? <laughs> um, 
But in this match, you know, and then Dragon Lee being able to find his way into this match to make it work, because Girl and, and Osprey have, have feuded for years across the globe. So yeah. to see these three put together a match like this, it was just a lot of fun. And Osprey is, is incredibly athletic, but Skrull has all the, the charisma and the talent to be a big star. Like, he's a guy who I'd like to see make the leap when things clear out in NXT a little bit. Yeah, not this, not this year, but a couple years. Yeah, like Skrull is he's he's that good. His, I really enjoy like, his character is ready made. He's a you know like a British Cockney version of McGregor. Um, he the best way I could explain him, and I saw him wrestle three times last year WrestleMania weekend, two Evolve shows and like another one I think. Um, so the way I can explain him is he doesn't work heel, he lives heel. Yeah, that's there, a good way to put. It. There's no other like everything he does. In-ring work, promos, which I saw him cut several at Evolve, and I was just mouth wide open because I was like, yo, this guy is legit. Um, just everything he does is heel. He is the villain. There is no there's no face turn. No. He is sinister in every sense of the word. He's like that cartoon guy with the mustache and the top yeah, hat. Yeah, like he twists the mustache. Yeah, yeah, he's that guy. He's that guy in real life. No, he, he's, again, if people who listen to this podcast, like, primarily watch WWE and haven't watched New Japan as much as I've sang his praises or always, just go watch Marty Skrull wrestle. Just watch a Marty Skrull match because he's, he's just, he's a fun to watch. Yeah. He's legitimately fun to watch. And he doesn't need the flippy shit. And, you know, I like nope. the flippy shit, but he, he doesn't need it. Um, in fact, his style, because it's so heel based and so methodical and, like, dastardly and shit. Like, it works great against people who do flippy shit. So, like, will Osprey, like, kick him off the ropes or something? Like, just a quick, like, leg sweep or something? Everything is just so methodical and just... It's great that people can be fast around him and his pace doesn't have to be frantic. He's still slow. He's still just brooding. Um, Skrull's... He's gonna get pushed to the moon. It's no... No surprise that they gave him the ROH title after three weeks in a company the ROH yeah. uh, television championship it, he yeah. needs it he's, yeah he's he's that good so uh, yeah that was probably my favorite match of the night yep and then we have the young bucks versus the briscoes bucks always deliver um honestly i could watch them in a briscoes feud for probably the next six months if they wanted to best yeah. two tag teams in the company yeah yeah i mean these guys i mean this was this was another fun match to watch um it was the finish was interesting because the rapid fire uh, super kicks like somebody was like oh he should have kicked out of that no they shouldn't have like the Briscoes just got their heads kicked off <laughs> but all in all this match was really fun um, and all the, and it, but the big reveal was your boy delete 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 that's it <laughs> yeah so, we get the Hardys versus the Bucks oh my God and I figured so this is what I figure is going to happen um, this pro- match will probably happen at the 13th anniversary of Vegas. This is why I think it's going to happen. Could so, happen sooner, I'll be but so I happy. doubt it. <laughs> um, but I, but I figure that like it has to be some kind of talent sharing thing where we probably see the young bucks in the next whatever delete program that TNA has coming up. Hmm. It's not. Well, I forgot what the hell it's called. But the young bucks will be involved. But this because the bucks always looked up to the Hardys and they've done matches. Like I've watched some like some outliers of the young bucks and Hardys matches. So you can see a precursor of what's to come when these two finally wrestle. This is going to be ridiculous. But somebody's um, going to have to kill Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah. No, no. Jeff Hardy might kill Jeff Hardy. Um, yeah. I want to see it done first. 
before the anniversary show, because if we get a TLC match at the anniversary show, I'd lose my shit. Like, yep. that's it. Like, these two teams in the TLC matches is what we need for the culture. I don't want to see any. So let's have, you know, the Young Bucks go over um, one time and then see the TLC match at the anniversary show, because I'd love that. Um, and I sent, if you guys haven't seen it, there's like little clips from the ROH Europe tour that they just did. The video was just released. The full DVD was just released. It's where they um, introduce Osprey and Skrull and some of these people. There's a spot where the Young Bucks were defending their titles against Osprey and Dragon Lee, I believe. Um, or it could be Osprey and Skrull when they were tag teaming. And it was like their first match for ROH three weeks ago. And the Young Bucks hit the finisher off of a Hearn Karana from yeah, Will Ospreay. Like, it, it was the most insane shit. It was like the Meltzer driver or whatever. You guys got to watch it. It's one of the best spots um, you'll see all year. And that's what the Young Bucks do. Spot fest, but they're great at it. And yeah. they re-signed. So another year of the Bucks, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, main event, Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. Uh, it's not a bad match. It's actually a good feud. Good rivalry. Um, Kyle O'Reilly isn't for me. And I've always said that, you know, even Red Dragon, outside of Red Dragon, I think he does play a good underdog role. Um, I didn't like the finish, though. I, I think Adam Cole is champion is just the right thing to do. And I don't think Kyle O'Reilly is the top of the company. But I understand they've been feuding forever. They've always had this, like, kind of, like, tension. So Kyle O'Reilly finally going over. It's probably the right thing to do. I mean, I, uh, you're crazy. I'm a big fan of Kyle Riley. I'm not a big fan of Bobby Fish, but I'm a big fan of Kyle Riley. I, I, I love, mean, he is Bobby Fish is definitely the Genetti. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's like Kyle Riley. I like his style. I like that he incorporates a lot of MMA into his his work. I think Kyle Riley is a great worker, and I think that the things that O'Reilly does in the ring set him apart from a lot of other talent. So. Him going over in this type of match, I mean, you know, these guys, Future Shock so many years ago, um, split off. And, you know, I mean, this, I enjoyed this match a lot. It would have been match of the night, just like March Girl, a lot more. But uh, I, I enjoyed the finish. I, I, liked how this, I liked how this whole thing played out. I thought this was a really good match. And I like, I, like Adam Cole, the character, I like more than his in-ring work. I like Kyle O'Reilly's in-ring work better than Adam Cole's. Um, and I think Kyle O'Reilly has paid his dues to become ROH champion. How long this lasts, I don't know. About but, three weeks is my guess. <laughs> no, I mean he's going <laughs> to hang on this title for. He should hang on this title for a minute. They don't really do sh- quick. Like this might be one of the fastest title changes, um, in in ROH history that I can think of off the top of my head. Usually, guys hold on a title for a pretty decent amount of time. I know Michael Elgin's reign. Michael Elgin's reign was pretty short too, but uh. But, yeah, I had, I had no problem with the finish of this match. I had no problem with Kyle Riley finally getting the title over Adam Cole. Um, and, you know, the Bullet Club's probably going to beat the shit out of Kyle Riley for a while. So this, this could be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, this could go two ways. So Adam Cole could beat the shit out of Kyle Riley and take the belt back in, like, a month. Or, noticeably, the Bucks signed their contracts on Adam Cole's back, I believe. Uh, Adam Cole did not sign a contract. I'm not sure when his not up until April. contract is up. April. I'm not sure if it's a precursor to that. Um, no. Adam Cole's not going anywhere yet. Adam Cole will be in NXT in 2017. 
No, he won't. If Adam Cole goes to NXT, he gets lost in the shuffle, and I can guarantee you that. Adam Cole doesn't have a different look than anybody else. Adam Cole is relatively small. Adam Cole's character, the things that got him over, like in PWG, like the suck my dick stuff, won't go over in NXT because it won't be able to be done. Adam <laughs> the crowd Cole will still be like, chanting that shit, by the way. He just got he just got brought into the fold as the the USA's Bullet Club leader, and he fits with the Bucks. And if the Bucks are there, Cole's going to be there. I don't. If he goes to NXT, I think he'll get lost. He'll he he's, might get um, lost, but he's going to make the jump. He will get lost. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, it's he's, only he's going done. at the right time. Like, if you go, April's perfect because you would assume Knock is up, Joe is up, call ups after Mania. It, it seems like there'd be maybe, you know, even Bobby Roode is up. It seems like there'd be some time. There's some space. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of Adam Cole going Adam to Cole, NXT. Baby. Yeah, I, like, I like Adam Cole. I like Adam Cole a lot. I just don't see him making the jump. I don't, actually, I don't want him to. <laughs> like, because I see, like, we, they haven't done shit with Roderick Strong yet, which we still have a lot of time. Um, he was just introduced. You know, it's been like a month or two. Like, Bobby Guru got introduced, and it was like he was there. Like, Roddy lost his, like, his second match with Austin Aries. So yeah, it's he's like. He's in this tournament for the title coming up. Talking about yeah. NXT, it was the best episode in months yeah. this past week. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I don't see Adam Cole leaving. I, I'm a, like I said, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his work, but uh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, all right, let's switch over to WWE. We usually speed through this anyway. Um, make sure you guys check out NXT from this past week, the December 7th episode. Probably one of my favorite episodes, like weekly episodes in a long time. Um, Samoa Joe versus Nakamura, their match in Japan, which is their best match in my opinion. It was finally Strong Style-esque. Uh, I love that they didn't tie up to start the match. It was like a complete shoot. Like, they just went. There was leg kicks. There was jabs. Uh, just the little nuances in that match really worked well. Um, we saw Asuka finally kind of, you know, get challenged by some of the young talent in the women's division. Uh, Nikki Cross is really good. And it'd be cool if they, like, removed her a little from Sanity and have her challenge Asuka. Still, Ember Moon uh, was on that episode as well. Tag team division really got going again and they're teasing a triple threat so a lot of stuff happened at nxt make sure you guys check that out um but wwe wise we had tlc pay-per-view yeah we did we did and we've this podcast has gone on long enough but tlc is a what an interesting show um (laughs) um all right starting it off hype bros versus and hype bros and american alpha versus the Bond villains no, i won't talk about that you won't talk Move about on. the tag team match no. all right uh apollo cruz was seen FYI. i didn't see him i didn't watch was on the, the pre-show. pre-show i watched the pre-show um okay we have nikki <laughs> bella versus carmella no dq match oh god um the big reveal that natalia may have attacked nikki bella this Even is all that shit was coming basically- yeah, this is all like a vehicle to to eventually get to keep Nikki Bella occupied enough before she gets into the title picture. That's how I feel. This is working. Yeah, I don't like it. And it's Total Divas season, so you got to play up off at of Total Divas. She your uh, best friend on Total Divas. Like, all right, man, whatever. Um, Carmella didn't feel, come off the best. Dog, I just feel like the fact that they used the kendo stick in this match was so minimalized by the fact that Sasha and Charlotte just used it five days before. So. I mean, the no DQ element. It's a bad time for, yeah, bad time for a no DQ because it was just done so much better. 
Yeah, move on. This match wasn't that good. It wasn't oh, good. Moving it was on to some good expected. stuff. Corbin versus Kalisto. Jesus Big guy Christ. beating up on a small guy. Look, this match was better than I anticipated it to be, but it's still the storyline goes nowhere for me. Because why does Baron Corbin need chairs to be the guy who's half his size? I don't, I don't get know. It. Yeah, I don't know, but you're warming up on Corbin though. I like it. No, I'm not. I'm not warming up on Corbin. <laughs> I think Kalisto is an underutilized talent. It's very and, true. You know, he can do the lucha thing and make this lucha thing great. Um, Why is he yeah, still a lucha dragon? I don't understand. He still has the music. No, he still man, does the lucha. None of this makes sense. Like WWE. Like we're, we're going to talk about Raw and SmackDown briefly as well, but everything here is just like. What are we? What are we doing? We're like, just nothing waiting makes for sense. the rumble. Don't shit make sense. Um, let's see. Alexa Bliss versus Becky Lynch tables match. Right. right person went over. I, like I said, you are Alexa right. Bliss. Alexa first, Bliss. Like, she earned. She it. works. She works for for this title. Like the, everything that Alexa Bliss is is SmackDown, not NXT. And her facial expressions, her her wrestling is getting better. Becky Lynch. Since being separated from the horsewoman, hasn't necessarily connected with with the audience. Like Sasha and Charlotte are like the pillars of this divas divas women's revolution, um, and Bailey and Becky have just kind of been lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah, Bailey and, hasn't gotten the time. Becky, um, she's a wrestler first, character second. And it, she yeah, was I mean, asked to just, carry a division. That's rough. I think Bailey would have been better off carrying a division than Becky. True. Bailey would have been. I mean, the Burns play has just been bad. We say it every single week. But the right move here was Alexa Bliss being the champ, and I like to see Alexa hang on to this thing for a little while. Um, I I like the strides that she's made ever since being stuck with Blake and Murphy. She's looked so much better. Her facial expressions are bar none, probably the best in all of the women, and maybe some of the best of the men too. Like her facial expressions are great. Yeah, uh, she I'm does a, good work on the mic. Yeah, I you like know, Alexa Bliss. Talking smack has helped her so much. It really has. It really has. It pushed her character so far, and she just got so much more comfortable just on the weekly. It's just like, oh, damn, like she's doing good work on talking smack. The next thing you know, it's in-ring. The next thing you know, and it's just separated her. So uh, kudos to them for having talking smack and actually making it work for them. It actually it's pushed a lot on SmackDown because it's helped the Miz and Maurice. it's, It's done a good job, and, you know... Raw tries to, like, bite it now, but SmackDown should have that. It's very good for them. Yep. Um, talking about the Miz and Maurice, Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. Ladder match. Yeah. This took a while to get going. It was it was good, but it wasn't great. There wasn't, like, a sense of urgency when, when Ziggler had to win against Miz on the last pay-per-view. They had 25 so like, minutes. Yeah, like, that's, <laughs> it, took, it, it took a while to get this thing going. And then the finish kind of being contrived with the, you know, kicking the nuts on the ladder. Miz winning, it's, I mean, that, that, it makes you question that whole title switch to begin with. Because if you weren't going to give it back to Ziggler, if you weren't going to do anything with it, what was the point? Because now Ziggler's back to where he was before. Jobbing. Nowhere. Yeah, um, I don't know if they set it up. Why Zayn for the cross-promotional match? Uh, I don't know. Are they setting Zayn up to take the belt? I'm, I'm still confused. No one knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah. I guess that's a good and a bad thing heading into Royal Rumble. But now they have to build towards the Rumble, right? Because it's their next pay-per-view. Yep. So we're not sure. going to see anything else. So, yeah, we'll see what storylines are built there. The Wyatt family with Luke Harper, they're now a triumvirate. Defeated Heath Slater and Rhino. They're using the free words rule. It's been announced, just like the New Day. 
So um, all three of them are tag team champions. Look, I question Randy Orton joining the Wyatts, but this thing has been great. This this might be the best thing on SmackDown. The way that these that Bray and Randy work together, it makes you go, damn, I wish they could go on Raw and beat the shit out of everybody else. Because there's no <laughs> tag teams for them to beat up. Like, I'd love to see them drag out the New Day right now with Randy Orton. I'd love to see it. Oh, that'd they're, be they're, great. There's just so much better. Like, it's weird. I didn't think this would work. And it does. Like, it, it's, it, for, the, for simple reasons, like ring psychology, the way that, like, Randy slithers around the ring and, and, and kind of praises Bray Wyatt the, in his wrestling, it's just really well done. And it's a good veteran move. And, it, like, nobody should take the tag titles off of these two. Like, eventually, American Alpha should. But that's Maybe. why the Freebird rule works so well. And they're already – Randy's so good at – he's already planting the seeds. Like I pointed out before, it's like you can see the dissension between him and Luke Harper. Yeah, see, and, and how here's my Randy's problem. getting closer to Luke. And then if they lose and when they lose, it has to be Randy and Luke. And Luke has to take the pin and Randy has to turn. And then that's how the dissension begins. I don't want this to happen. Like, it's too <laughs> predictable. Like, right now, it's too predictable. Hopefully, it's a, a while down the road, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I'm gonna t- we're going to talk about this when we talk about Raw. When they start moving things faster along, you start seeing the holes in how they do it. So, leave these, these guys working together. Like, let the, the dissension can linger, but it doesn't need – like, this doesn't need to change anything. The only thing that needs to change is that they need to have more tag teams to beat up on. They need to have a legitimate threat to their titles, which they don't have right now. But they're they're just too good. And I'm glad they kind of squashed them, too. Because Rhino and Slater, I mean, dude, it was a fairy tale and need the end. So yeah. they need to go jobs. So it is what it is. Well, they're, once again, talking smack. They teased a breakup. So they'll both have a, a program, I guess, to go into after this. But they get the hell away from the tag team scene. Um, and the, then the main event, Styles versus Ambrose, TLC match. Styles God, can do no it. wrong, man. Fuck it. No, I like, mean, all right. Let him do whatever he wants, right? It was it was a good match. Uh, I was joking because I was doing a radio spot the other day, and they asked me. They were like, "Man, it's you know such a great match and AJ Styles, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Yeah, it's probably not in his top five matches this year, though." And it's a great no. match. It's not in his top five this year. Mm-mm. No, I mean the the fact that it, AJ Styles pretty much carried this match. I mean, you know, let's be honest, Dean Ambrose is good, but. Uh, the finish, I just hated the finish. It was so predictable. Like, J- James Ellsworth, like, them, them, they're trying to squeeze so much juice out of this Ellsworth angle. They need to stop. And the way this finished, I mean, I, God damn it. Like, it's like, where do these guys go from here? And that's that's the biggest case on SmackDown. I, I did a piece on Champions about fantasy booking. It's so hard to figure out the future of SmackDown because there's nowhere for anybody to go. There are no baby faces except for Dean Ambrose. Dolph Ziggler just lost to the Miz, so he can't compete for the, the main title. No, they just shifted Ooh. Ambrose right into like a Miz angle too, which we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah, so it was all. I mean, this match was very good. It wasn't. It wasn't the. It was far from AJ Styles' best match, and it might have been Dean Ambrose one of his best matches, which says a lot. But uh, the right man still has the title. I feel like they're just kind of holding this thing for the Undertaker. I feel like that's the only person who's going to take it off of AJ Styles because there's nobody to beat him. Nobody. No one at all. Cena's not coming back. He's doing SNL this weekend. So I think you're right. I think Taker – I don't think Taker comes back until Rumble, though. Probably. I I think that's when he challenges AJ Styles. Maybe the belt changes on the pay-per-view between Rumble and Mania. I don't think it changes at Rumble. 
Yeah. So that's, yeah, I mean, we'll it's see. setting up for something. And I'm not mad at the top of SmackDown. Once again, I, I wholeheartedly believe the top of SmackDown is better than the top of Raw. As far as programming, storylines, the top is exciting. Because we kind of know, but we don't know. What's going to happen, when it's going to happen. Now that Ellsworth is kind of like uh, out of the picture a bit, it's clearing up. So yeah. I, I like SmackDown a lot more. Um, Raw this week, though. Raw, it's probably the worst week in a couple of weeks, but not bad. Tease the Jericho Owens friendship. They got to cut this done. out. Look, let, me, let me talk about this right now. <laughs> the fact that they're making Jericho to be the jerk is completely... It ruins everything, all the momentum that they have. Yeah, because Jericho's be a babyface. Right. It should be Kevin Owens telling them that he doesn't need Jericho. Kevin Owens is the champ. Why are we treating Kevin like Kevin Owens has become a horrible champion? This is, and, it, and I, I feared this the same way that I said it from the beginning. I hope they don't do him like Seth Rollins. And I feel like it's the same type of deal. Like he's lost to Roman Reigns in a match. He's he always like he hasn't had a match that he's won like clean a big time match yet. He hasn't, you know. So the way that they're kind of accelerating this breakup. And at first, I was like, maybe it's a joke, maybe it's a ruse that that they're teasing a breakup and then they're not. But then after watching this week and watching Jericho lose to Roman Reigns, I'm like, well, how can you make this thing look fake? This now it just looks ridiculous, and. And all the momentum that Jericho has is kind of squashed because he was a babyface. Now he's just being a dick to Kevin Owens. I don't get it. I don't understand this. This is just bad writing and booking. Yeah, the pop is going to go off still. Hopefully, it can still be saved when Jericho puts Owens on the list. Because you know, it's, it's just the crowd is going to yeah. go nuts. There's just no reason for Jericho to put him on the list right now. And if he does, it's more like Kevin Owens is a sympathetic character. Speaking of sympathetic characters, I'd like to move on to my man Rusev. First Poor of all, Rusev, yo. Rusev should change his music to Bismarck Key, just a friend. Like, dude, first and <laughs> foremost, this Enzo Rusev thing has got to stop. This whole thing was, it was bad. What are they <laughs> setting was, up? Big Cass versus Rusev, one-on-one? I don't, I don't know. But the whole, like, come over to my hotel and sleep with Lana, like, this, that, it was bad. Poorly done. And Rusev just beating the shit out of Enzo. Like, I said this on a, I said this, like, why is Rusev still a heel? I, please explain this to me. Everybody's sitting on his girl and making fun of his wedding, and he, then he beats him up. Isn't that what a babyface does? Yeah, like, pretty much. He doesn't pick the fights. He ends them. Right. Like, he didn't. Like, dude, Enzo walked around with his junk out standing in front of Lana. <laughs> Rusev didn't do anything. He just protected his wife. I mean, I don't know. This is just dumb. And I, like I said, I think Rusev is a great, great character. I don't want them to turn him babyface, but the way that they're using him as a heel is, like, stupid. It's underutilized. Put the U.S. title back on Rusev. I was about to say, Roman Reigns ain't doing shit with that title. No. It hasn't helped Roman Reigns at all. But it can't help him. There's nothing he can do to help his character. Like, a title's not going to do anything. What, don't, the Shield reunion is the only thing that could possibly save Roman Reigns? Yeah, but, it, you know, I don't even want to see that. Not right now. <laughs> Not yet. I'm just saying, down the road, in general, the only yeah. thing to help Roman Reigns would be a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. It's the only okay. time he gets a positive pop. Um, Oh, just shit that's going to make you mad. Today's not your day. The New Day. Work heel again. Don't, I, I don't get it. 
I, I mean, I guess it's, we're going to a triple threat match. This is the week, right? So this is the week yeah. that they break the record. I don't like how they did it. So whatever. I don't. <laughs> it cheapened the record for you. For me, it, it did. It, it really did. I mean, to have them work the way that they're working right now, I don't understand it because now Cesaro and Sheamus have kind of hit their stride, and people are like cheering them more and more. And the the New Day haven't had like a good tag team match in a long time now. This is not. This is like an ongoing thing now. They come out, they cut these promos, say the same things, hit the right notes, but then the match happens, and the match is just kind of like, eh. It hasn't been. They haven't had like a really good match in a while, and they need one. And they're not going to get one in this triple threat. And if they win by by Crook, it doesn't really help matters either. Yeah, they have to they're, reach December seventeenth with the titles to yeah. be to make history. Okay. Well, Do whatever. they get robbed? I hope so. Actually. <laughs> Actually, like when you start teasing these things, it makes it too predictable for them to win. Yeah. So I hope they lose. Oh, just so they... close, but no cigar. Yeah. I hope they lose. <laughs> and I like and I like the New Day a lot. I just hope they lose. Oh, like Demolition's record is kind of sacred to me. I used to hate Demolition as a kid, but they just never lost. So oh, yeah, I, I wasn't kept... a fan of Demolition. I mean, you kind of had to choose between Demolition and the Road Warriors, right? Well, yeah, that was the fantasy match everybody wanted. Yeah, to you see, couldn't you couldn't like both. No, like it was like the powers of pain and whatever. But uh, demolition, you know, with Mr. Fuji holding the towel, it's kind of like sacred. I don't really want the new day to break that record. I I just don't. But whatever. Um, let's see. We had Sami Zayn. He just gets his ass beat every week. Is he? What's the like? What's the point of him wrestling Kevin Owens and not even acknowledging the feud that they had on Battleground and they, which was their best match? Well, on WWE program, but. What's the point of this? Both know. guys going south. Like, both guys are going in the wrong direction. Kevin Owens is a champion. Sami Zayn is a character, is an underdog. Like, it's almost like I want Sami Zayn to win the goddamn Royal Rumble so he can get a push. This is ridiculous. That would be amazing. Um, that's the ultimate underdog story. Like, Daniel Bryan-esque. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I also have a question about the Royal Rumble. How do you decide which championship to go after in a brand split? I missed the last one. You just pick one. Oh, like when they had the brand split, yeah, you just pick which title you want to go after. That's all. Okay. So you have to like declare it the next day. So if a raw guy wins, he can just choose to go after AJ Styles? Mm-hmm. And I think they, uh, I'm trying to remember. I th- and I don't think you had to declare it immediately either. Um, you had your choice. I'm trying to remember when Batista won and he picked Triple H. That was obvious because there was that turn. Um, but uh, I don't think it's a media. I think they kind of teased it out and then they decide. But. We'll see how they do it this year. That's dope. I don't mind that. For a guy yeah, like we'll Sami Zayn or, you know, someone like that, like, it's a good way to get someone over to the other roster. Um, And then ended it with a Sasha versus Charlotte promo. We're getting them again. And I'm in the minority where I say I, I watched him wrestle all year long. I don't care. If no one else is ready, give me the best quality wrestling possible. And if Sasha and Charlotte week after week after week is the best thing possible... I'll watch every one of their damn matches. Go through all the... I don't care if it's an elimination chamber. I don't care if they have a casket match. Give them whatever the hell you got to do. Continue the feud as long as you want because it's gold. These these women are putting together some of the best women's matches of all time at this point. And consistently. There's no reason to stop the feud to insert someone else to lose heat on it. You know what? If their other people aren't ready or they haven't proven that they're ready, sorry, Bailey. Don't mess up a good thing. 
Let them rock. It, it, it's crazy. People are like, oh, I'm tired of seeing it. It's like, okay, it's been five months, six months. That's short in NXT terms. And if you look in the history of WWE, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan once feuded for, I swear to God, two and a half years. And I might be lowballing. Yeah, but it was, it, was, it was different, though. Like, when Hogan and, and Savage feud, you didn't have them running into each other every week on Raw because there was no Raw. It was, so it was like... All right, The Rock. I, I swear, The Rock, Stone Cold... And Shawn Michaels at one point just revolved around each other. Those well, three she, feuded each other for three years, and whoever wasn't in the main event feud, quote unquote, at the time, just fought Mick Foley, and Foley jobbed out to him until they got right back in the feud, and the next person would lose, and they'd come down, they'd fight Foley, and Foley would job out to him, and it rotated all along. They gave Foley like one bone in three years. They gave him the belt for two days. But all right, so the Sasha Charlotte thing, I don't mind the Iron Woman match. I I kind of mind that Sasha's the one that picked it, and not Charlotte. It's kind of weird that the champion challenges challenges the challenger to an Iron Woman match, but whatever. Yeah. Charlotte, an excellent promo with Ric Flair, by the way. Um, once again, facial expressions like she is she is she's the best character female on television. Yeah. Well, between her and Bliss, um, Sasha still is a little stiff with her promos. But at, at any rate, she's better as problem, a heel. By the way, I, I think if she could work heel in the promos, she'd be much better. But my only issue with this feud is that you're burning the candle at both ends because you still have WrestleMania to deal with, and they have done nothing to build another person. So that's that's my issue. Like, Bailey needs to be more prominently featured on Raw. Nia Jax needs to be more involved. Like, But again— Have them go at each other, right? Like, have a number one contenders feud? Yeah, it's the fault of the brand split. Because if you didn't have the brand split, if you had all the women on one show— then you can kind of move things around. You could have Bailey and Natalia for you. You can have Nia Jackson, Becky Lynch for you. Like you can do different. You can have Naomi in the mix. Like you can do different things. But now as you split it up and you have this very top-heavy Raw, of course you got to keep running these women back at each other. It's yeah. not even fucking Royal Rumble yet. <laughs> and like, like we haven't even got to the Royal Rumble yet, and they're gonna have to wrestle again. Oh yeah, guarantee. So all in all, it's just there's a, there's a huge. Um, whole of ta- like talent there's a talent void to fill a lot of these spots and a lot of people everybody's being misused to a certain extent yeah there's no way around it but hopefully it shakes itself out by royal rumble um it can't be any worse than when we knew everyone was going to job out to reigns last year right so yeah this run can be no worse than last year was no, so I agree. we can be optimistic about something in the future. Finally, I broke pessimistic Andreas. And on that note, that's how we leave the podcast. Uh, everyone, make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, the Corner LSN on all platforms, IG, Twitter, etc. I'm at Kel Dansby on everything. No, I'm not giving y'all my tw- Like, if y'all don't know by now, shit. Look, he is, just, he is on it today. Pessimistic Andreas is back. We broke him for 30 seconds, my people. That's That's all we get today. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to the sponsors once again. Enjoy this weekend of UFC, boxing, everything that's going down. It's going to be a great weekend. Gear up for some good wrestling coming up to end the year. And uh, stay tuned. We get, we have our Corner Podcast Awards coming at you in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be big. Ciphers, once again, everything included. For right now, though, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.